Welcome to the Dog Zone 9000, the official podcast of 1900 Hot Dog, America's last comedy website. I'm Grave Robert Brockway, and with me is my scarelarious partner, Sean Booby. Oh, fuck. Wait. <laughs> uh, and our guest, Jason X. Jason goes to Space Pargin. Hi, Jason. Yes, that is right, listeners. It is our favorite month, the month of. Uh, Demon Cocktober. <laughs> Great. Keeping it, keep it all in there. When you're most likely to see a demon penis. <laughs> statistically. It's, old, it's a very small percentage, but it does go up. It does rise. Nothing but good news. Well, this has got to be your favorite month because you're going to plug something right now. This something is. Something relevant. Yeah, if you're listening to this somewhere, I'm having the most stressful week of my life. <laughs> when this goes up, the book will have come out, good God, probably the day before. Um, and yeah, the, the book that I've been promoting for the last, I don't know, 11 months, we it, it, we, it went up for pre-order in January. So the entire year, it is now out. And because of the way the industry works, pre-orders in the first week determines the rest of your life as a writer because it's it's that first week that depend that determines on what reports this book bubbles up into and what bestseller list or does or doesn't make um and then from there other outlets determine whether or not to cover it or other stores determine whether or not to order copies of it because they're hearing about it for the first time so i'm on Many shows. If you are someone who listens to all of the crack, X Cracked People's podcasts, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> this week I have been on all of them. You're you're in some sort of cursed reality where it's like you're the radio station where every station you you turn it to, it's the same song every time. Only it's it's me uh, giving the same promo. There are some days where I'm where I go through some podcasts and I'm like, I think I spend more time with uh, Jason than I do anyone in my entire life. That's what it feels like. <laughs> just, just, just with the voice, yes. With, yeah. With Jason singing all of my favorite pop hits in my head all the time because the voice just lives there now. Yeah, I do have the Freedom Rock that you sang all the songs on, and that's my favorite CD. Yeah, I don't, I don't even hear music anymore. I just hear you saying all of the words in order. I would love to know, do you have detailed demographic data of your audience? Like Absolutely age? not. Okay. Because I'm wondering how many of them, because those Freedom Rock, that, that was 80s, 90s, right? Th those commercials? Yeah, late 80s, I think. And they played late night during wrestling, that kind of thing? Is that where they you saw them? They played all day, every day. You could not escape them. If you're anywhere close to my age, you've seen Freedom Rock at least 50 times. Anything man-related, it was on. It was on like... Like TBS would play it in between mm -hmm. action movies, which I was just always watching TBS action movies. So yeah, just just anything right man choice. related was fucking Freedom Rock, brother. <laughs> there are certain songs like the song Slow Ride by Foghat. Mm -hmm. I only know the three seconds from <laughs> right. the Freedom Rock commercial. Any Janis Joplin song I know three seconds of from the Freedom Rock commercial. And that's it. And it was just this nightmare montage of anti-war stuff. And I'm sitting there as a child of the 80s. Like, man, the 70s were rough. <laughs> or the 60s, I guess, too. But that whole era, it's like, man. that, though, that we finally got it like figured some... out. 
<laughs> yeah, that sounds like some some lean years. Anyway, I didn't finish my promo. The book is called <laughs> If This Book Exists, You're in the Wrong Universe. I was going to spend more time like hyping up the book and talking about how great it was and how it's like my favorite entry. But uh, no, let's yeah. skip all that. Let's, let's you fucking going. walked right through a Freedom Rock bomb, kept the plug going. I've never seen anything like it. And let me address the elephant in the room because I know a lot of people are worried about, look, I'm not upset. You've, you've all noticed that only Robert mentions having read the book and liking it and that Sean stays silent all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sean is running a business. He does not have time to read 135,000 words that another person wrote. Like I, I barely have time to write books and I write books for a living. Like it is sinful for me to not read a ton of books. Like writers are supposed to read and I read like three books a year. So no, it, it's fine that he hasn't read it. I don't expect. This feels I, passive aggressive. <laughs> I've read a lot of it. <laughs> that's worse that's way worse you should have stayed silent I, I, i'm trying to get to it oh <laughs> but andor sure. and but andor is just whew, oh, on the edge of my you. seat Text, i think seven more repeat seven more episodes i think andor is going to do something well i loved it uh i i also am dying from a lack of time and i found time to read it even though i didn't think i was going to and maybe didn't want to but i didn't have a choice once i started because it was fantastic i don't know how much we're allowed to go into spoilers so i'm just going to say uh some stuff is done to dicks that you will not believe (laughs) that's high praise is there enough time to get that as the poll quote (laughs) we gotta get that on the book jacket yeah okay all right, one one more problem before we start. Uh, real quick, do you have like a classic favorite horror movie you watch this time of year that nobody else really seems to get or appreciate? I feel I feel like everybody has that one, but that might just be me. Um, in terms of specifically one that people don't appreciate, that you just feel is like underappreciated. Like everybody watches Halloween this time. Pandorum. Hey, that's a good uh, one. I like that one a lot. The somebody decided to make Event Horizon, but good in (laughs) two thousand nine with Randy Quaid, and it's it is like a perfectly structured script, and it unfolds the twists in like a perfect order. It is airtight, and nobody went to see it Uh, because sci-fi horror, even though it's my thing, uh, and they people seem to like it in video games. Boy, in movies, if you're not like the first two alien movies or what are the other good sci-fi horror franchises? Event Horizon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say Event Horizon, but it got <laughs> awkward in here. It's a series of <laughs> tragic bombs uh, that, that that people spend a lot of money on. And then uh, the world. Already the world named rejected. one, Jason X, Jason Goes to Space. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is not the subtitle, but I will never not say it that way. <laughs> I didn't know until this moment that was not the subtitle. <laughs> I, I don't remember what the real one is, but it has to be Jason Goes to Space. You need to tell people right there, like, no, you need to watch this one because Jason Goes to Space. Uh, Matt, that might as well be my pick, but I'm, I go with uh, Darkness Falls. Nobody watches Darkness Falls. It's not that it's good, but it's wildly entertainingly bad. But uh, I've never heard of this. Is it? It's a movie? It's a movie. It, it, it was a big budget movie with a theater release. Oh, uh, yeah. I want to say late nineties, early two thousands, uh, darkness falls. It's uh, it's the name of their town. And there's weirdly some like really good 
prepped scares in there and some like good set pieces. And it feels like one guy was really smart and really had this shit down. And he was surrounded by just, just really drunk apes running around, ruining everything he carefully set up at all the time. And it's, it's so much fun. Uh, everybody should watch it. I uh, enjoy Bloodsport, which is like Event Horizon, but the good guys win. So that's my it's my pick. <laughs> when he when he does the splits and it it takes them the whole ring briefly to hell and then, and then back <laughs> exactly <laughs> to deal with what they have seen. Yeah, yeah they all tear their eyes out. The now Bloodsport that's based on a real guy, right? Have you ever yeah, looked? It's into absolutely him? true story. Yeah, we've looked into him. Uh, it all checks out. Uh, yeah, I listened to everything he said about it, and uh, yeah, yeah, people had some questions, and he he continuously answers all of those questions. So until um, you run out of time to ask more, I know seems legit. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're keeping it simple for our Halloween episode. We're just bringing the scariest single episode from our favorite horror shows. I guess Jason is going first. Well, this is if you go out on the street. And ask a hundred people, what's the scariest monster you can think of? Like, what would be the scariest thing to encounter in real life? Not that you've seen in a movie, but like if you, 100 out of 100 people will say the exact same five words. Bigfoot's ghost. I fear the mighty Sasquatch. All right. Yeah. His ghost specifically. Um, So the show Mountain Monsters, which is near and dear to my heart, because it is, for those of you not familiar, it's not fiction. It's actually a documentary about a group of people in Appalachia who have formed a team to go hunt down. A a lot of you think of Bigfoot as like a singular creature, but they actually face many big feet, basically a new one in every episode. Mm-hmm. Um, dozens of big feet over the years. And they, because like the characters in my novels, they're kind of like rural, like somewhat uneducated people in a like world that, shits. where the authorities are not helping them. Like you don't see them mm-hmm. with getting the help of the FBI or animal control or anybody. They would be more equipped to handle the mighty Bigfoot when encountered. So these guys are forced to go out in the woods with their shotguns. Um, and they're not, they're not at the most physically fit or most of its people. muscle. I think most of its muscle. Um, and they're forced to, to face the unknown by themselves. So I think when you see them out there and it's so raw, the, the just it's them with their cameras recording them out there, trying to take down something they don't really understand. Um, and to be clear, when I say they're hunting Bigfoot, I do not mean they're out to document or photograph Bigfoot. They're oh, yeah, they're going to gonna kill that motherfucker. They're out there to find Bigfoot and kill his filthy ass. <laughs> they're yeah. all out there with pistols. They have knives, and they are hunting. They're like, if if Big Feet exist, they are our nemesis, and it is us or them. Now you're never going to believe this, but we actually did a podcast about mountain monsters uh, with you. Uh, so so we're familiar with the show, and we we love it. Uh, my favorite thing about it is just how dense the lore and world building mm. of this show. Cause you think it's like, like finding Bigfoot or something where they're going to go out there and they're just going to beat around the woods and they're going to, they're going to talk to people make some theories and nothing really happens. They see Bigfoot every single episode. Yeah. Almost immediately. Almost and immediately. 
no, they have I don't access know. to Bigfoot lore that no one else does. Like every Bigfoot they encounter, they're like, oh, here's some ancient Indian stories about the Bigfoot. Here's a book I found in the library. Well, I can't show it to you, but let me tell you what it said. And they all have just tons of information about this one specific Bigfoot and its powers. There are so many kinds of Bigfoot, you guys. We're so fucked. Like I had no idea. There's also, literally millions of big feet in them woods. If you're curious about Native American history and the history of the tribes in that mm-hmm. region, there's a lot of information in this show. Um, that, so that you could tell, like, there's a they must have a dedicated team of researchers because they mm-hmm. they really dig into the lore of how the Native American tribes in this region kept their own big feet to fight as warriors. I'm getting ahead of ourselves now. Now you said this is how, this is how those native American stories stay alive. A group of Kirby's go into the woods, hunt the Bigfoot, say a bunch of stupid nonsense about native American stories. And that is how we keep their traditions alive. It's how we treasure them. They, uh, they die if you stop telling their stories. So this is, this is noble. You guys said that I was on the previous episode talking about mountain monsters. I don't remember that. I think <laughs> you're probably that was Alex Schmidt that was on. Yeah, because um, he's our academic friend. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember listening to it and feeling like you were somewhat insensitive to the people on the show and the region they're from. Right. Like I felt like there was some classism in that you, because these are just hardworking Americans. And they, and in some sense, this is real America. You know, we're talking about in, in Kentucky and, and all you know, the other uh, Virginia. Yeah, that's what they mean by real America, for sure. Um, and and I it, and I I won't be taking that position because these are my people. Like this is where this is where I'm from. I'm not from like you guys were raised around Hollywood, both of you. I think, um, mm-hmm. but I'm more from the back country. I knew people like I lived right right next to you know the southern part of Illinois, like right across the border from you know there's Kentucky and the parts of Missouri that you try not to go into. So I, I see these people and I see like well you know these were some of my friends in high school. Right. Um, but I don't, you know, and I would try not to have that, that sense of superiority over them of course. because they are just doing their best. They're just, they're trying their best. I grew up on a Scientology sex commune. And so we all, I mean, we treated each other as equals, but like the people outside the sex commune uh, hunting big feet, we were like, mm. I, I grew up uh, with a troop of pickpocket orphans uh, on the mean streets ah. of Hollywood. Uh, so while while you're technically correct, uh, you really got the the spirit of it wrong. I feel like I I really bond with these guys too as a as a fellow child of grifters, uh, just <laughs> just roving so grifters. The um, the episode I wanted to talk about specifically is season. It's episode two of season four. Mm. Um, and the subject of the episode is the a, a Bigfoot called a, the Squalling Savage. Oh, a fine pick. Which is a one of the big feet of Kentucky, the Kentucky region, which not spoiler, it turns out there are multiple overlapping big feet in central Kentucky. Oh. Um, I tried to watch this and I, I don't normally talk about like my home life, but I tried watching this with my wife and partway through the episode, she got up and left. Like she couldn't even handle it. It was so like too terrifying. Yeah. I mean, well, she didn't necessarily say it was because it was terrifying. She just didn't, she invented an errand. She had to go run, but um, she had not mentioned before we sat down, but uh, around the the fourth time they stopped the show to recap what had happened in their previous three minutes that we just watched. Mm -hmm. uh, She, she left the the room and then I just heard her car driving away. Um, (laughs) Has she been back since? 
She's uh, she's down. She's around here somewhere, probably. <laughs> um, she's had to come back by now. Uh, so the episode opens, and I, I'll just walk through it cr- chronologically because otherwise we'll get very mixed up because a lot happens. There's uh-huh. a many, many. Um, there, well, there's one. There's really one turn of the plot, but we'll it's it's stretch it's stretched out over the course of uh, these episodes. I think these are they're about 107 minutes long on streaming without the ads. It feels like that seems about right. Yeah. Um, but I guess now again, I've not seen episode one of, of season uh, four. I it's so I they I, they're going to visit uh, their friend Trapper who is back from the hospital, and they they weren't sure he was going to survive. Um, I am assuming he's recovering from a Bigfoot attack, right, but I've not seen unspoken. One. It has to be a Bigfoot attack. <laughs> see, here's the thing we learned from our podcast is you don't actually have to ever see Bigfoot uh, for him to attack you, and that's a uh, that's a, it's an amazing uh, the array of of ways Bigfoot can attack you. So it could have been like a psychic mauling. Yeah, he can run through a, a shot and attack a group of Kirby's and escape and no one will get a frame of him on the camera. It's incredible. They're just, they're very fast. Uh, they're wily. That's why, that's why that's so scary. It's a very scary episode. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and that's the thing is you watch a, a couple hundred episodes of mountain monsters. You will start to understand why there's no good photographic evidence of, of big, yeah. because it's not easy. Like if he's coming right at you, or to, again, spoiler: the Bigfoot they're they're hunting this episode. He actually climbs in trees and drops down on you. Like there's not time. Like you <laughs> you need to get out of there before the. But like the, the, like the ninja Bigfoot. There's there's like, an agile ninja Bigfoot. It's the coconut it's Bigfoot. And he learned the ways of the coconut. Of the ways, the, like the toys taken on them, like the, the it's extreme, a fucking drop foot. The. Uh, it yeah, a drop squatch. The uh, <laughs> the the very manic and extremely active member of the team named Wild Bill, who's just like can't keep his limbs still and he's constantly bouncing around. Like he's missing several teeth due to mm. Bigfoot. It's yeah, that's probably what it's from. That's his- he has definitely he has some post Bigfoot stress disorder. Uh, by the way, his eyes are constantly darting around at all times. <laughs> That's another sign of uh, of Bigfoot abuse. Um, so here, where it may be good listeners, it may be you may need to take notes because things do start to get complicated soon. Because they visit Tramper, and he says, "In our on our last adventure into Central Kentucky, we were hunting a Bigfoot called the Midnight Whistler. <laughs> called that because he is bl- he is blank, and then he appears at night and makes a whistling sound, and that's why they call him uh, the Midnight Whistler." But he actually did some research while he was laid up from his Bigfoot wounds and got uh, somehow a, a one of those plaster Bigfoot molds. And he's like, this is a foot that is too big to be the Big Night Whistler Bigfoot. This is a bigger foot. Uh-huh. There's a, always, they say there's always a bigger foot. Mm-hmm. From a if you ask, bigger, a, by the way, uh, in Kentucky, if you ask the nurse to make you a Bigfoot plaster mold, uh, she has to do it legally. <laughs> so, uh, so based on his research, he's decided that this Bigfoot foot belongs to uh, a Bigfoot called the Squalling Savage. And then they've got a CGI recreation that has, has reddish fur. That When I first saw it, I thought 
that was an actual they had right. actually captured the creature and re had recorded mm -hmm. it but the it was CGI just is a, that good yeah it was just a computer animation it doesn't <laughs> move um it was like the really does the cgi <laughs> <laughs> and so um the team get uh, crams themselves into their pickup and they all fit comfortably and drive to central Kentucky to what they refer to repeatedly in this episode as the Bigfoot burial ground, but they never clarify what is buried there because if they're saying this is where the big feet bury the dead Bigfoots, uh -huh. that piece of land, I would think would be of very high interest to all sorts of experts the scientific community absolutely of those bones no that's local, a, that's local a dogs move. you disturb those you disturb those bones and you're getting bigfoot ghosts which we've discussed <laughs> that's that's okay so i bet if i google that i'll find archaeologists saying we don't want the curse of bigfoot on ourselves or our institution like there's probably laws in place in central kentucky yep. saying no yep. this is a bigfoot curse I'm, zone. I'm getting that in my search here yep um, so on their drive there, they mention uh, Buck, um, who's the he's kind of the uh, he's just kind of the the chunky one. He's a little bit he's a little bit bulkier than the other ones. He's just he he mentions that based on his knowledge that in that area that that since the 1600s the Shawnee and Iroquois tribes inhabited that area and they were constantly at war. And that it is widely known that one tribe had the Midnight Whistler as their pet Bigfoot, and the other tribe had the the screaming savage as the squalling <laughs> savage as their pet Bigfoot. And That's those not Bigfoots fair. not a fair fight. For the last four hundred years have been at war, and that his hypothesis is that even though the Native American tribes have moved on, <laughs> you know, unfortunately that their land was was obviously taken away. Mm -hmm. But that the Bigfoots are still around and they're continuing their feud oh. over that same land. They did not take the Bigfeet with them uh, on the Trail of Tears. They just left them behind like a, like a yuppie couple leaving a cat. That's that's what he's saying. Now, again, he didn't. You know, he's just referring to the sources he read. He didn't. You know, so you can't. I'm not going to shoot the messenger here. Mm -hmm. it, like, we don't know what what might have been the actual historical reasons they were forced to leave their Sasquatch champions behind. Now, now would you say this is, this is sort of a riding Bigfoot into battle against each other, or was it just like allied with gangs of big feet? So there was kind of a, kind of a Bigfoot turf war. He, he doesn't clarify. I'm sure if you read the hmm. books that he drew that information from, they probably get into it. Um, documentarianism. It, he also it's like a MOBA where there's a stream of Bigfoots that just kind of come constantly. And then you, you are a guy on a horse and you can kind of run around and do your thing. Oh God, that would, you just came up with a billion dollar video game idea that <laughs> somebody is going to steal. Mountain Monsters MOBA. Trademark. Um, Audio certification. Sean Baby. When he said that they had been, this war had been going on since the 1600s, he did not elaborate as to does this mean big feet are immortal or that there's right, a right. family of big feet that have passed down this feud or does he mean it's been the same two big feet i do not know if in the lore of mountain monsters if they've decided that sasquatches live for thousands mm -hmm. of years he didn't he didn't clarify at least i watched the episode twice i didn't see where he clarified oh that. he does they do oh in this episode 
No, no, just like general knowledge. Uh, I can tell you. Everybody knows. Uh, big feet live for 600 years on average. Okay. So these can um, be the same two big feet, just really cranky at each other after all these generations. It's kind of like in World War II when there would be like a Japanese guy on an island that never heard about the mm-hmm. surrender. Like you just yep. really got to find the Bigfoot and tell him the war is over. I think that's what the um, mission must be, right? That's what Bushido translates to is uh, Bigfoot spirit. <laughs> so next, a graphic comes up showing uh, Kentucky on a map and then showing where they are in central Kentucky. And then they recap everything they said 30 seconds ago. Um, they meet with a local guide named Steve. He has no last name that they mention, who says, I will take you near the Bigfoot burial ground, but I'm not going to go in there. Like, it's too Steve, dangerous. Yeah, Steve's smart. He knows. Because again, obviously the, the, the Bigfoot curse. Um, and then after they meet with the guy, they recap everything that was said in the previous four minutes of the episode, including what they just said 30 seconds earlier, <laughs> uh, to make sure you're staying on top of it. Has Steve, so, did he have any stories about like the dangers of the curse? Like, does he have a buddy that went too close to it or anything? Like, what's yeah, his we're evidence? Jumping, we're jumping ahead in the story because we're going to go <clears> back. Oh, okay, to him. Okay. He actually, not only that, but he, he actually has cell phone footage of the, of the ill-fated oh. young man who did not take his advice about staying out of the Bigfoot burial ground. Oh, wow. Um, so the, the team of, in, in the, the name of the team, it's the AIMS team, but I don't remember what AIMS stands for. It's, does M stands for monsters or it's like something, something mysterious sightings or I apologize uh, to the anti Bigfoot super squad. Um, it, but anyway, they so they head into the woods and immediately find a uh, a small tree that's been broken, and they uh, they they say, "Well, this can only be Bigfoot damage." Yeah, it sounds very Bigfooty. And then the guy grabs it, Buck grabs it, and pulls it up, and he's like, "Well, this isn't even a tree; it's just a big <laughs> stick that somebody poked into the dirt." Which, <laughs> which what human would do that? That it was a Bigfoot, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's at the sign of that, that the guide, Steve says, I, I'm not, this is as far as I go. Like, I will point you in the direction the you oh, can it's go. Bigfoot putting a marker down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't pass this point unless you want to get fucked up. Well, they actually, I think Huckleberry asked him like, well, could this be like a trail marker a person put here? And he says, absolutely not. He's like, people don't mark trails here. Oh, okay. That's just, oh, that's you know, or could know. it have been a bored child on a hike who just poked a, a stick into the ground because he's on a hike and doesn't have his phone with him, so he's looking for anything to do, no. and so he just poked a stick into the dirt because he thought it'd be fun. It can't. No, this was the work of the mighty Bigfoot. People love uh, to wander aimlessly in it Kentucky. Was, it was Bigfoot putting up his man fence. Um, now, what is remarkable about this show, and what always I'm always taken aback when I see this, they drive about 20 more feet and immediately find the midnight whistler's nest. (laughs) (laughs) And how how long would you say has passed in the episode total? um, They are about eight minutes in. Found Bigfoot in eight minutes. That's how you fucking do it, guys. Like some Um, people people have gone their whole lives looking for Bigfoot and never found him. What absolute chumps. Yeah, and they've walked like far enough from the main road that you could probably still hear traffic if their mics were a little bit more <laughs> sensitive. But, um, and the Midnight Whistler's Nest, if you're wondering what a Midnight Whistler Bigfoot nest is, it's a, just a pile of sticks. Like if, if you had a, the cast and a couple of production assistants gather up a bunch of branches, dried branches, and pile them together, 
for literally four to five minutes. <laughs> That's what. Now, how does a Bigfoot live in that? Or, you know, is there any signs of like fur or droppings? No, it's just the sticks. Which, again, this yeah. is why it's so hard to get evidence of a Sasquatch yeah. because they don't, their, their living habits, they don't leave stuff like that behind. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't know uh, Sasquatch nested. I would have assumed, I don't know, a cave or, or a burrow, but a nesting. Well, That's again, the, mid, the Midnight Whistler nests. I'm oh, not right, speaking right. for all not... Sasquatches. This is, again, Sasquatch is not a species. It is a, it is the thing above species that I forgot in, in high school genus. biology. It's a genus. It's a genus of creature. King Dylan. Uh, phylum. So this is... Okay. So this is a bird squatch. I got it. He whistles, we, he makes nests. He's uh he's like he's a very bird-like squatch. So we cut to a commercial break. When we get back from the break, um, they replay the previous scenes mm-hmm, that we just saw. And then they show a graphic showing where they are, which is in central Kentucky, and they recap everything that happened in the first 10 <laughs> minutes of the episode. See, I think um, Mountain Monsters tends to get a little inside jokey, and so they they like to stop and explain where they are often for for new viewers. Uh, I think it's just kind of a hillbilly you, really. Hmm. Yeah, or also if you think about like um, like fantasy novels that often have like a, a map in the back you can re- reference. Because there's so many locations, like just knowing where people are is so important. Yeah, you're going to get lost. Um, So here's where they explain uh, that the squalling savage is a tree-dwelling Bigfoot who has the, as I mentioned earlier, he has the advantage of dropping down on them. So they decide because of that, they're afraid and they're going to leave the woods and come back the next day. No one brought an umbrella? Um, well, or a light or anything else, any other equipment. They, oh, they, they, they came the... prepared to fight the Midnight Whistler. They didn't bring their Squallin' Savage gear. So they brought harmonicas. A different, a different action figure set. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so we cut to the next day, um, and, and like they're waiting for their friend Wild Bill to show up in his pickup truck with the other trap building guy, and he jumps out shirtless, and they do a series of jokes. I guess this is like a staple of the show about uh, how he's kind of overweight, and and then he mentions he was a, a Marine. He was in the Marines, I guess, Yeah, because he shouts, ooh, rah, and he jumps to the ground. Because he just has, Wild Bill has a bundle of energy. Like, you've known some people that are like that. They've just got a ton of energy, and, like, they're always fidgeting and bouncing on their feet, and they're missing teeth, and they're kind of, like, yeah, we, their we call them Bigfoot weird. survivors. They're usually fighting cops when you see them. <laughs> yeah, you see. Um, and then he jumps down to the ground, and he does four push-ups and, and can't get through the fourth one. <laughs> <laughs> he can't finish counting, and then jumps to his feet, like, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Uh, it, like, totally exhausted from... From the four push-ups he tried oh, to do, legitimate. I love him. He's the he's the beating heart of that show. <laughs> yeah, um, if four is, is assuming he's still alive, otherwise that's an extremely. <laughs> he cool was the thing. beating heart of that show. He has the rapidly beating heart. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, dangerously anyway, enlarged heart of the show. You, you, Wild Bill, um, and see, this is the kind of classism I wanted to avoid because it's not anyway. Uh, Wild Bill and the other trap builder, whose name is Willie. Willie. So they're both they're both named William. That's weird. Um, or maybe not. They could both be nicknames that have nothing to do with. Anyways, they using the logic of someone in in their state of mind, 
say, well, if you're going to trap a tree dwelling Bigfoot, you clearly have to build a trap, an elevated trap in the trees with a ladder and that, that you will then lure the Bigfoot up the ladder and then he will fall through a trap door into a net. Okay. I, like I mean, a ladder is a pretty ladder. rare luxury for a tree Bigfoot. They're like yeah, a he's ladder. Full convert. Ooh, like, oh, this is dumb. nice. Well, wow, they mentioned premium. that this that this Bigfoot is eight feet tall, has a, a wingspan of his arms span yeah, of ten wings. feet, uh, and he weighs <laughs> between between six hundred and eight hundred pounds. Okay. Um, and they're going to make this trap out of some scrap wood and some uh, old chain link fencing that they've got. You'll never believe this. I've watched a few episodes. Uh, that's how they build every trap. It's crazy <laughs> that their only materials are chain link fence and some scrap metal and uh, a couple of pieces of wood. You know what's almost weird is they've if, never caught a Bigfoot. Well, it's almost as if they were just prying apart the old trap and reassembling it in a very slightly different shape. Hmm. hmm. But um, how would you get that trap all the way from Kentucky to Pennsylvania to uh, Kentucky wherever again. else they go to all these other woods they go to that are that are all over this the country? Globe trotting operation. Um, so then anyway, while they're there, they find a tree bent over, uh, like a young sapling that's been broken over, almost like a, either one of them or a I remember this, assistant. Bigfoot. A production assistant bent it over just moments earlier, and they say that is a sure sign of Bigfoot activity. Aha, I knew it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they go and start climbing up a hill with like some very slippery looking rocks, and these very elderly, nearly dead Two, two, two of these guys. I don't remember which ones it, it is. I, I think one of them is. Is there one named Jeff? Yeah, Jeff's the researcher, and he's the, uh, uh, he's the smart one. And one of the other ones, anyways, uh, Jethro is there one named Jethro. Uh, there's a Huckleberry and a Jeff, or the two really old guys. Either way, they start to climb up this hill, and I was like legitimately afraid they were going to fall <laughs> off the hill. And then, sure enough, the show cuts to commercial break like that, using it as a cliffhanger. Yes, cliffhanger. <laughs> like, will these extremely old, nearly dead, very unhealthy people fall down this hill? Um, so we come back from the commercial break. Uh, they show a graphic of a map showing that they're in Central Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, they recap everything that's happened in the first oh, fifteen minutes of the show, Good. but it's both things. Um, they recap, yeah, including the type of Bigfoot they're hunting. We see the graphic again. Uh, and then Can they, they show replay. the push-ups again. I don't think so, but they did mm. show them walking up the hill, and they do mostly make it. <laughs> and up there, Some they casualties. find three dead sticks, like three branches, like three five-foot-long branches that have been kind of leaned against each other. Oh. And you know what that signals? Fucking Bigfoot. Bigfoot three Bigfoot. Big Bigfoot burial ground. It's oh, the centerpiece oh. of a Bigfoot burial ground. If you ever see that in the woods. That is mm-hmm. literally 100% uh, what that means. Um, so then we cut Start to the trap for builders. And now things are getting tense because it's like they could be attacked by a Sasquatch at any time. And this is what it's so fascinating being the universe of this show. Because in my world, like being attacked by a Sasquatch is a very rare thing. Mm-hmm. But these guys, like they're terrified every minute they're in the woods, like, at any like we got to get this trap built because we this thing could jump down from the the trees at any second well to be fair uh every single episode i've seen they have been attacked by a sasquatch yeah Yeah, multiple times it has happened to them like 800 times so (laughs) i would be a little worried too um and then so the 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 
trap builders get to work with a wild bill rapidly climbing a tree with energy that's almost unnatural, like the, the just the sheer energy he has. It, it's inspirational. Um, meanwhile, the rest of the team has to go find their missing trail trail master, Steve, the guy who they, they met there. And they like one of them says, like, this guy's an expert tracker. If he don't want to be found, he ain't going to be found. Mm hmm. Um, so then they drive to his house and he's standing in his front yard. <laughs> I guess he wanted to be found. Wanted to be found. Yeah. You're lucky. Yeah. It, yeah. Fortunately, like, yeah, that didn't, that didn't try to be foreshadowing anything. And, so and then he, he slowly like, falls in half, torn in half by the Sasquatch. <laughs> the razor sharp katana of the Sasquatch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just pictured that. <laughs> <laughs> All that in the Sasquatch chain in there with the, the anime sword. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Steve, he, they go track down Steve because like he was withholding information. Like there's something he knows he didn't share. And so they find him and he says, quizzling. He, he says, well, I'll tell you what happened. Now, granted, this is information that could have endangered their lives because it's information about how you, he accidentally called the Bigfoot one time. Mm -hmm. So he says he was hunting one time and he whistled to his friend and accidentally attracted a squalling savage, which mistook him for the midnight whistler oh. because he was whistling. Right. Rookie mistake. Never, we then never whistle in the woods. I, I finally, I understand that old saying that old Kentucky, Pennsylvania. I forget where we are, but that's Kentucky. where the saying's from. Um, and then he says that uh, he actually, that, uh, another kid who he told the story to didn't believe him. So he went to the woods with his camera to prove that whistling in that section of the woods would not cause a squalling savage to descend upon you. And <laughs> the kid actually, he plays That's for nice. him. The kid gave him the video because he went and tried it. And sure enough, he was immediately attacked by a squalling savage and got video of it, of the attack. Um, now again, it makes perfect sense. If you were being attacked by a squalling savage that just jumped, jumped down from the trees, you would not have time to point your phone at the squalling savage. You'd be running for your life. So it is just a video of, of someone running through the woods while a, a, the, the clip of the squalling savage, it almost sounds like a growl from like a, a Halloween stock sounds <laughs> record that you would, you would buy, like you buy sound clips sounds off the internet. Sounds squatchy. Yeah. Um, a lot so of those we were cut, authentic Bigfoot sounds on those CDs. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, how else would you get them? So then we cut to commercial and they come back and recap that again, including everything that's happened in the first 25 minutes of the episode, scene by scene, by scene uh, both of the things that have happened. Um, so now they realize from this information that to make their trap work, they of course need to whistle to lure the, to enrage mm. the squalling savage thinking he's coming after the midnight whistle. And when it's like, Oh no, we tricked you. Oh, um, we're, yeah, we're the humans imitating the sound and the, the Sasquatches, you know, they apparently have a low opinion of its ability to detect. Right, I get it. I get it. I get the twist of this episode. None of them have enough teeth to whistle, right? Oh, <laughs> well, they actually have whistles that they're, they actually have like devices. Oh, God, a genius. They're one step um, ahead of me. So the two trap making guys, and this I think is the scariest part of the episode for me. Um, they unveil their trap that they've made, and it looks like something that, well, I would say it looks like something that children made. That's not fair. It, it looks like, it looks like something that two like untrained people would make with what they had on hand in the woods. It's basically a platform stuck to a few surrounding trees. 
with there's a trap doors. It's just like door hinges and then like six boards. And then underneath it, they've kind of sort of made like a net out of the chain link, the sections of chain link fencing they've had. They've just sort of like curled it around. Uh-huh. It's it's a device that, and again, there's a little crude ladder for the, the Bigfoot to climb up. And, and then what they've done is they've made a, a zip line so that someone will stand on top of the trap, whistle to enrage the squalling savage. The squalling savage will rush at them, climb up the ladder. Uh-huh. And then the person acting as bait will then jump down on the zip line, but they won't be pursued because what's going to happen? The squalling savage is going to step on that trap door mm-hmm. and it's going to fall into that, that basket chain of link chain net. link. Yep. This and, is and how again, you uh, start a Sasquatch farm in Minecraft. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're looking at this trap they've made and this is something like the chain link isn't, it's just barely attached. And, and it is something that would not hold an, like an elderly man or any kind of a healthy dog. The horror comes because the rest of the team. Okay. The, the most effective piece of horror I've seen in the last 10 years is the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. You guys seen that? Yeah. No. Okay. It is, it is Robert. I am not joking. It is the most, it is the scariest goddamn thing I've seen in the last decade. It is so perfectly crafted and the horror of that situation and knowing that it's real, but the horror of, of Chernobyl is that it's not just the terrifying forces because it's totally unknown. There's never been a meltdown before in the history of the universe. And so they're facing the unknown, but the bureaucracy and the paranoia of the Soviets, like they can't communicate with one another. People are scared to report what's really going on. And that's what's really terrifying because it's like things are getting worse and worse and worse. And they've created a society where they can't give like honest information. Right. This is very similar because the rest of this crew sees this trap that is clearly like a laughable creation. Like in any kind of a sane world, these two men would be fired from the team immediately. Yes. Like you would, your kids would build that and you'd be like, that's great, honey. You're not playing on that. Yeah, this dangerous, like you shouldn't even be up there yourself because but like this thing weighs, you're saying, saying this thing has superhuman strength and is eight foot tall and 600 pounds. Like any of us could get out of this trap and we can barely walk. Like we're literally taking a golf cart into the woods <laughs> because we can't walk that distance from, from the highway, which is right over there. Like there's a convenience store where we all bought like monster energy drinks 20 minutes ago. It's like, right. Like there's like Still a case the right behind us. Um, but they, but then instead they're like stunned by like, holy crap. Like, this is amazing, guys. You know, you're like, it's just all positive reinforcement because in that group, they don't dare, like, like shame, shame each other. And so classic kind of mountain monsters, bureaucracy, uh, hillbilly bureaucracy, just ruining a perfectly good squatch trap again. Yeah, because there's there's certain you've all had you've all encountered someone at a bar or in public or on the sidewalk where they confronted you. And you wanted to say something rude to them, but they were like extremely like energetic and like bouncing on their feet and they couldn't keep their limbs still. And their eyes were like really wide and they were missing teeth. They were and there's just something, there's just, there's just something about their energy. That's like, no, I'm not going to be honest with this person. I'm just hmm. going to try to placate them. And I feel like that's what was going on. That's what was yeah. going on here. Um, Too many yes men in the Bigfoot community. Yeah, and so too much support, too much emotional support. I think is what you're saying. 
Uh, Willie says also, so part of the plan is he's, he's dug three coffin sized pits. <laughs> with like a, That's a foreshadowing. <laughs> well, here, this here is where, where we're going to go when we die, when he tears us, when we fall right off that thing. They are covered in uh, plywood with leaves scattered on top. He's like, these are our spider holes. They use these in oh. Vietnam. So what we're going to do is... <laughs> Buck tactics against the big feet. All right. Buck is going to go to the burial ground and desecrate it. <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm laughing. At Wait, this. are we... I'm, are we the bad guys? Are we rooting for the bad they, guys? They hate it when you piss on their ancestors. Oh, it's going to get this Bigfoot all riled up. Um, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> we have to. I have to pause the recording because I can't. <laughs> oh shit! Are we sure? Um, now, are we sure that's the right approach for uh, us repurposing this Native American legend? As that we. Uh, we piss on the graves of their ancestors. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's a totally different thing. All right. So now, after that, the squalling savage will pursue him. He will hop in his golf cart. Of course. <laughs> so furious. <laughs> and, and rightfully drive, so. And drive his golf cart toward the trap. He's in his golf be, cart. All right. We will be hiding in the three coffins. <laughs> <laughs> Which are lining the path from the burial ground to the trap, and we will be whistling the whole way to make to further enrage it, presumably so it will think that it's not buckets chasing, but rather the midnight the whistler in a golf cart. In a golf cart. <laughs> <laughs> and he will lead it to the trap. The squat, the Sasquatch will climb up the ladder, fall in the trap. And then they will, and then they do not describe what will happen at this point. Because <laughs> yeah, that's the end. Once, once they have the squalling savage, this 800 pound creature in this rickety Sasquatch prison they built for it, they're going to, I guess, stand around it with their shotguns and rifles and just riddle just it with bullets. Just blow fucking shit. <laughs> do they, because they're not like, okay, and then they don't have like trans, tranquilizer darts. They don't have they transportation. Don't have they don't have a plan. They don't have a transportation to transport it out of there. They have absolutely not one iota of planning or equipment to deal with a a captive Sasquatch. You know what it they is? Can... They're they're sports squatching. It's catch and release. They really just want to prove <laughs> that they can get him, and then they yeah. just cut him free. An animal that, by the way, has kept its last grudge for four hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> And win or lose, you have defiled its burial craft. Okay. They're, they're not going to forget that. Um, so uh, everybody's in place. <laughs> Buck goes to the burial ground, to the altar where the, and the, this is how he desecrates it. There's, and I know we were all expecting one thing, but those three branches have been kind of leaned against each other. Uh-huh. He just Big reaches out and, and just gently touches it and it just falls over. And he's like, he says to the camera, you ever seen anybody pick a fight with a Sasquatch? It's like, I just did. So then um, we cut to commercial. <laughs> um, we, we then watch. The courage the- it must have taken for him to go over and yes. knock over those three Sasquatch sticks. Also, the uh, answer to that is, yes, you, I'm the cameraman, and we've done this 800 times. Because <laughs> you keep putting um, your monster energy drink in the fucking shot. <laughs> 
<laughs> we anyway, we cut to commercial. When we get back from commercial, we watch that entire scene again. And then they show a map showing where they are still in central Kentucky. They've been in the exact same location the entire time. And then they recap the first 30 minutes of the episode of both of the things that have happened. Um, and then we cut now to Buck, who, of course, is running from the midnight from the I'm sorry, the squalling savage in his golf right. cart. And it throws a tree at him. Whoa. Specifically, a small branch is flung toward his golf cart. And uh, it's kind of and then he's forced to run from it because he's now being attacked by. And that branch that was chucked at his golf cart, their entire plan utterly falls apart. <laughs> so he, he has to drive in the other direction, often a totally random because he, he drives down a trail and then there's another tree, like now across the trail, like the, the squatch has put up there to block him in a tree that easily could be moved by either of us, but that fine. It, it's, and then we find out, we cut to Huckleberry, who's in his spider hole, and um, he is being attacked by a, a Sasquatch. He's hearing the squalling savage now that is apparently, or or a Bigfoot of some kind is now right near him and is like stomping and breaking branches. And so he ducks down into his spider hole again, which is just being covered by a piece of an old piece of wood they found. Um, we cut to commercial. We come back, uh, we watch that entire previous scene again and recap everything that has happened in the previous uh -huh. 35 minutes of the episode. Good. Um, and then we, we watch again uh, Huckleberry being attacked by Sasquatch. Uh, the rest of the team has to scramble to go help him fight the Bigfoot that is attacking him. He says, here it's revealed that he's being attacked by at least two big feet. I was oh, going to say, there's more than one. This is the um, this is that Jurassic Park Velociraptor scene where where you're watching one Bigfoot and it's really the other two that come from the sides. And the entire time, each member of the team is scrambling to get to that position to help him fight off the big feet that are attacking him. They keep stopping to give reality show interviews to the camera, <laughs> shouting. Not not like while they're in their vehicle, they're stopping. Right. They're standing still, looking at the cameras. Like, well, we got to go help Huckleberry. He's in a spider hole, being attacked by at least one big foot, if not more. <laughs> I don't know why I enjoy the phrase "Huckleberry's in his spider hole" so much, but it's beautiful. <laughs> Um, and then, so they, uh, they arrive there and, uh, but by this point they've had to abandon the trap. Everyone has, has all gathered at Huckleberry's position. Huckleberry says he let out a war whoop that scared away the big feet. Mm, of course. That he says war whoop. at that time, he looked up and saw the Bigfoot and it was a light color. It was not the black midnight whistler. It was not the reddish brown. There's a third uh, species of Bigfoot. It was a third type of Bigfoot. <laughs> but also involved in this gang war of Bigfeet? Well, see, uh, that's the thing. Um, we then watch, there's like, they cut together a recap of everything that's happened in the episode, including okay. that scene we just watched. And then the team declares um, that now that they know there's a, th a third Bigfoot in the area, they're declaring their investigation over and they're going to leave and, and move on to the next thing. And that's the end of the episode. God, I mean, that is, is. I'm glad they recapped it that last time so that you can track all of the like hidden foreshadowing leading up to that twist. Like well, by the time shot. you've got a third Bigfoot faction, a big, as they said, there's a third Bigfoot clan, which they had not previously used that term. But I guess they're implying that these are not individual Bigfeet, but these are 
clans now of warring three warring Bigfeet factions. And the right. census really just has let down the Bigfoot community. Like there's just so um, many of them for, have been forgotten. I feel but like you'd want to go get a shot of that. Like you'd want to like your dream shot would be let's get all three of the Bigfoot clans fighting and like that'll be the next episode. But instead they're like done. We got to get out of here. Listen, big feet have never seen West Side Story. You could just West Side Story them. Oh, good idea. You could you um, Jimbo them. Well, the way that that um that Buck explained it to the camera was it or to the rest of the team is like, look, we were rusty because of the time we were we took off while Trapper was laid up with his Bigfoot injuries. We knocked off the rust. We should be happy with that. Let's move on to the next adventure. And so they leave okay. they leave the people of Central Kentucky to just be <laughs> to the mercy of three furious and enraged, <laughs> rightfully so, full of righteous anger at their ancestors being defiled. Yeah, we did all we could. We we knocked over the teepee of sticks, uh, pissed off their ancestors, and uh, we left. Yeah, they've been, they've enraged the entire clan of Big Feet, and then just took off. So, like Steve, that guy who was afraid to, who lives near there, but was afraid to go near it. You know, oh, yeah, it's he's like, dead. Well, he's yeah, it's your dead. problem. It's your problem now because, as they've established, basically, if you whistle anywhere in those woods within five to ten seconds, you will be attacked by a squalling savage. <laughs> And now they're furious. At least one um, of them's trapped, though. At least one of them got will eventually fall into that trap and be stuck there forever. But that's why it it this stuck with me for like I think I'll remember this for the rest of my life because it's it, like real horror. Like it doesn't give you all of the information. It's very Jaws in the way that you never get to actually see. Like in Jaws, you never saw the shark. Like at no point in Jaws did you ever actually see the shark. It was. <laughs> You know, it was always like just off camera or you just see like water, yeah. and, you know, your camera would be shaking around. It just it was be so like scary the way they, all the victims had to keep telling you to trust them and uh, that Joss was there like that. You could really sense their desperation because what you saw in your imagination was always so much worse. And what you saw in your imagination and then the CGI recreation. <laughs> yeah, I see the CGI in my imagination. It looks exactly like that. I love in Jaws when they I, cut, I consider they cut to that uh, image of Jaws as Jaws like T posing and spinning around in 3D. I'm like, oh, look <laughs> that's at what that that's what he, that's what he's going to look like if we find him. If we go and um, defile his ancestors' shark burial ground. But uh, anyone who is a fan of my books, um, I think would love this show. Anyone who's a fan of the show, I think would love my books. That's why I picked it. Yeah, also. I didn't want to go it, into spoilers, in. but uh, this is what Jason's new book is about. Basically, it's kind of crazy that it like parallel thinking led to this uh, multi Bigfoot clan war, just like in Jason's new book. Yeah, and the fact that the book is only three pages long. <laughs> That's, that's but you recap book. it for 80 really pages. Just, yeah, it just kind of just keeps circling back to remind the people. But because, you know, attention spans these days, like people listen yeah. to a book, they're, they're doing like they're, they're playing Minecraft or something while the book is on audiobook. Like they're not able. Making Squatch Farms. All right. There's no way. There's no way you're going to beat that. But Sean, what's the scariest single episode? I, this is crazy, but I also selected an episode of Mountain Monsters. I picked <laughs> episode three of season four. and The um, one right after? Yeah, I just, uh, it was really close to Jason's. I'm glad we didn't pick the same one. So in this one, 
They're off in Blair County, Pennsylvania, hunting a Bigfoot called the Lightning Man. Oh, the exotic lands. Lightning Man travels with seven other Bigfoots, and together they're called the Thunder Brothers. <laughs> so, um, there's a literal Bigfoot gang. There's an actual gang of Bigfeet. Do they have they, jackets? Do they have colors? They don't they, show it. Very quickly, people think it's some weird coincidence that Sean picked. Anybody who is in the horror community knows mm-hmm. this season and these couple of seasons of Mountain Monsters are kind of at like the apex. Absolutely. It's the same thing when you talk about like the greatest rock albums of all time. It's like, well, it's from the same few years or same few bands, but you, everybody understands there's like a certain period of time when the culture was at its apex. And same thing here. Like this is when the show really hit its stride. Yeah. This is to go straight from a three Bigfoot clan war to an eight Bigfoot strong gang. <laughs> so uh, wait, just, there's there, the main Bigfoot is lightning man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and his gang is the Thunder Brothers. Exactly that's, right. That's a hell of a coincidence. That's I'm I'm just so happy they found each other. <laughs> so they start off with a gag where they let Jeff drive, which he doesn't normally drive, oh. as explained to the viewer. And he's driving a big old box truck. Uh there's they start counting seats. They're so like one, two, three seats, but there's four of us. Whoa. So they throw they throw Wild Bill in the back. And he's <laughs> he's just kind of dancing around with the rough cut lumber back there. Uh, there's not a lot in the truck. I'm not sure why they're taking this truck. Uh, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Bigfoot uh, is uh, Bigfoot's waiting. Wild Bill's back there. He's got at least eight pounds of tobacco in his mouth. Uh, I don't know why he chose to do that in the back of the shaking truck. Uh, now that's the drama. They make a big deal out of that. I don't know why. Now they show Lightning Man, and it's very good CGI. It looks almost as good as the first Jaws movie. He's got a silverback gorilla stripe. He's almost pitch black. He's kind of got a werewolf face. Uh, they've gotten recent reports of the seven other Bigfoots. So if they've decided it's Lightning Man. It's him and yeah. his entourage. So it all adds up. When you hear reports of eight Bigfoots. And according to Native American lore, the Thunder Brothers would get your attention by making all kinds of noise. And then the Lightning Man would strike out of the darkness and disappear into the shadows. Oh, see, uh, this I was is, right. It's the Jurassic Park yep. Velociraptor shit. Exactly. That was word for word from Buck. And then Jeff said, wow. But now see, Jeff Jeff is the researcher. So he didn't do research on Bigfoot this time. He did research on Blair County, which uh, he gives a lot of municipal history. It was founded uh, in 1754, where they signed a treaty with six nations of natives. And uh, this is when the settlers learned about lightning man you thought he only knew about the municipal stuff but no no no. he knows a little bigfoot stuff too so uh they thought that the lightning man might have been a real estate scam to scare off the white men so they wouldn't take the good native property but uh those wacky native americans and their real estate scams always always trying to scam those settlers out of their property tales of big feet like a fucking scooby-doo episode didn't work on our boys they saw through it. Uh, so the, Huckleberry is always looking for like how he can practically use all this information. So he says, hey, if the, th- if the folklore is true, the sound of thunder would come from when they was in battle, which means they must have been some hard fighters. And Buck agrees. He goes, they can do a lot of damage. <laughs> and so like, that's what we're dealing with, guys. These guys. These Bigfoot I just learned about. They're yeah, pretty tough. This, this thunder sound might come from just them punching people. 
because uh, we have not established they have like electric powers yet. They're just noisy. Uh, so Wild Bill has fallen asleep, so they swerve to wake him up. And uh, that's it. That's the end of the bit. They uh, they now are Wild in different Bill vehicles. It's dead, and they, they swerve to <laughs> jab him with some Narcan. They don't need any of the lumber scraps they had in the back. The truck bit was, uh, I don't know. They, I think they had a truck. They're like, this will fill 40 seconds of TV. Uh, so that's what they did. a good gag. <laughs> a good... The Mountain Monsters <laughs> they didn't... comedy team. They lied. <laughs> so they meet some guy named Robert who ran into the Bigfoots three weeks ago. He heard thunder, but there wasn't a storm or nothing. The thunder was coming from the ground. Now, you guys have probably heard about heat thunder but that comes from the sky. So don't be thinking this is a heat thunder story and old Robert's just not, not you, Robert, the, the hillbilly Robert. Uh, he, he's talking That's about thunder. I guess so. The, the, uh, the Robert with a big beard that lives in the woods. That's nope, me. It's still, still you. Uh, one of the Roberts thought it was, it was pretty sure it was the thunder brothers. Nope. That's still, again, that's still both of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, the hunters take in all this data and they're like, this all adds up. This is lightning, man. Uh, the And then Robert says, hey, he threw a plow at me. I was out there with my flashlight. My flashlight turned off. Remember that. That might come in handy later. So his flashlight turns off and then something throws a plow at him. And he's like, I don't know what could throw a plow. But these Bigfoot hunters are like, you know what could throw a plow? A Bigfoot. Oh, my so, God. He's right. Yeah. They're starting to get to the bottom of this mystery. So he does have electric powers. It, he could have electric powers. Uh, we know he can throw a plow that has an electric element to it, I guess. Uh, well, he can, he can turn off lights with his mind. or That's true. Yes. Or maybe, he, uh, he, maybe he generates static electricity by just running around in a big huddle with his bros, getting their fur all together, and then they get all that's an interesting statically theory. charged. They did um, not bring that up. I apologize to interject here. I to, to get a visual in mind, I googled Lightning Man on Google Image Search, uh-huh. and I am getting everything but a Bigfoot. I'm getting tons <laughs> of stock photos of a man next to lightning. I'm getting a man who was struck by lightning many times. You have to add uh, uh, Pennsylvania Native American lore, and then you no, should no, get you it. You just got to look for Lightning Man and the Thunder Brothers. That's the name of the group. Like it's oh, not, of course, when he's gone, yeah. it's not. Hootie and the Blowfish and Hootie Leaves. It's one thing. Lightning Man and Thunder Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, strangely enough, that does get me just a bunch of screenshots from the Mountain Monsters. Did you think I was lying? Fantastic. None of which, <laughs> none of which are of the creature, but that's fine. I, it's it, that's the thing. I, I'll just I'll sleep. Well, that's the light crazy because I'm sure that, he's in this episode a lot. Well, Lightning Man will turn your lights off. So sleep with the lights on. If they go out, you know you got a Bigfoot. Uh, they have a, a very, normally the show is very natural with their dialogue. You would agree, right? Like these are very well-trained actors. Yeah. It's the, it's uh, the well, banter I tune in for. Yeah. But it's also real. I mean, these are real guys hunting real Bigfoots. Uh, but they have an argument here about whether, uh, this gang of eight Bigfoots is seven times more dangerous than one Bigfoot. And they all have different math on this. Uh, and it's, it's a little phonier than usual. Like it feels like someone thought this would be a funny bit and they never quite got it. So between this and the truck, they're off to a rocky start. But let me tell you, it turns around big time. So they wander around looking for the eight Bigfoots and they find a dead bird, a very, very old bird skull and a few feathers. And Buck says, I've never seen one of these dead. He knows exactly what kind of bird it is. It's very big footy. And it they does hear not a noise. die. Like in- yeah, these birds yeah. are normally immortal. They you normally can't kill these have- birds. 
you got to find their burial ground and and, and <laughs> like three three sticks arranged in a pattern. It's also very delicately like bleached, as if like you'd find it in like a weird gift shop in the in Pennsylvania. Anyway, they hear a noise, they aim their guns at it, they charge off into the bushes. There's nothing, but wait a second, Huckleberry's light went out, and they got moving. They got moving. They all dash around, and uh, there's a commercial break. So now. Um, I bet Jason knows what happens next. They recap everything that's happened so far. They play the last 30 seconds of footage and they all agree that they heard something. The cameraman's light went out too. They seem to heavily imply something ran through the set and shoved them all and then escaped into the night. But no one like has the balls to come out and say a Bigfoot just came in here and rampaged through us. Like, now that's they, they insane want- because on one of the yeah. other episodes we watched... Buck made it very clear. I believe he said the exact line. That Bigfoot grabbed me. He's not afraid well, to say when a Bigfoot grabs him. Well, I think they established in that that when a Bigfoot grabs you, it leaves like a handprint for several days. That's right. That they, yeah. They uh, did not have the uh, handprint. So I, they didn't want to like pull the trigger on that. Yeah. They, they, whoever had the tube of lipstick they used to draw the handprint was not here today. So they couldn't do that bit. Uh, so they look around and they find Bigfoot tracks, but like a lot of them. Uh, Huckleberry says, there's a goddamn Bigfoot highway over there. So it's got to be the Thunder Brothers, right? I mean, who what else could it be? So Buck is like, this is enough evidence. And you know what happens next? He says, let's get out of here and come back a different time. Because uh, that's what they do once they find a ton of Bigfoot evidence. So That's actually they come the back format to- of the show. They do call it their, their night hunt. So they go and investigate during the day. And then they right. go out to hunt it at night to get night footage. Every single episode is exactly that. So are Bigfeet nocturnal? Is that why they, they specifically do a night? Uh, well, apparently not since it just molested them all in broad daylight. Okay. <laughs> so um, Willie has a new trap in mind. Uh, he and Wild Bill come up with uh, this idea. Wild Bill comes in with a satellite dish on the top of the truck, and they all find this hilarious because his truck is wearing a hat. And um, <laughs> that's not why I would find it. I'd find it hilarious <laughs> that you just happened to like meth steal a satellite dish. <laughs> yeah, he just found an old satellite dish. Uh, it doesn't come up later. Uh, it's they don't. It's use not it for the, the trap. trap. No, uh, the <laughs> trap. They they make a steel octagon trap. So he so did just steal is, it to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they they make a big door on the front and they basically make like a light metal teepee out of garbage. Uh, and I mean, like if two kids they shoved this, it. it would fall over. Yeah, it, absolutely Bigfoot proof. So the other three are back at the hauler and all those tracks they found on that Bigfoot highway, they're all leading in the same direction. This many footprints, <clears> very <throat> unusual. Might be a camp, might be a food source. They're like, hmm, something's coming through here. Too big to be a deer. So they're still kind of like figuring out this might be Bigfoot. Like they're like, we got a lot of tracks, a lot of Bigfoot stuff. Everyone nearby is saying, hey, there's all these fucking Bigfoots. Last night we got attacked by a Bigfoot. And they're like, I think this might be some Bigfoot Mm, stuff. These look too big to be deer feet. Mm Mm-hmm. They find some hickory nuts, and that sure seems Bigfooty to them. I'm not sure why it seems like Bigfoot would have eaten them, but they're like, no, these nuts. The Bigfoot would have really liked these nuts if it seen them. Uh, so it, basically, they're wandering through the forest, and any single thing they come across is more evidence of Bigfoot. Uh, they see some shaking trees, and they're like, that's a Bigfoot, and they're right. And so they hatch a scheme to like get it. 
So they, they here's what they do. They separate out by about six feet and they all walk toward the Bigfoot. Then it uh, makes a break for it. Uh, we do a commercial break. And when we come back, we recap that last 30 seconds <laughs> by showing it and then recap the 15 minutes leading up to it. And then they're like, oh boy, that sucker can move. So they, once again, they basically get out of their car, walk a few feet, finding just nothing but Bigfoot evidence, and then encounter a Bigfoot who escapes. Uh, they didn't quite get a shot of him. And that's a bummer. Uh, and they go to the creek. They find a creek. And these guys are having a lot of trouble navigating this half inch of water. Like, uh, it is, it is really dramatic. Uh, and, but they find a tree and it's kind of beat up. Like there's a chunk of bark mixing, missing. And oh, so they're like, wait means. a second. They, yeah, absolutely. Bigfoot. But they think it's the source of the thunder. They think these Bigfoots are beating on this hollow tree with a rock. And then one of them says, Hmm, this makes sense. So they pick up a rock and hit where the bark is missing and it makes a thumping sound. And they're like, yeah, this is absolutely a Bigfoot tree. And so. (laughs) (laughs) Can I very, very briefly, I I just want to interject for the people who've never seen the show. It's so many times in horror. I feel like they don't effectively make you feel like the characters are actually in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's especially with modern, like especially like PG thirteen horror. Like you really don't feel like they're going to. Uh, these people aren't in danger. You know who's going to make it out of the situation alive. In Mountain Monsters, when you just watch these men just traverse a shallow stream, you yeah. fear for their safety. Oh yeah, Edge Every, safety. anytime they get out of that golf cart, I'm like, oh shit, this is not going to go well. You are surprised when they're still alive at the end of every episode. <laughs> So we check back in with uh, Willie and Wild Bill, and their their traps coming along. Uh, they've welded seven <laughs> legs to a kind of a frame. It, it's it looks like a child swing set. Is and how what is this built. metal teepee a trap? Well, if the Bigfoot goes into it and then they close <laughs> the door, then it can't get but out. Why would he go into it? Well, they haven't. They don't really say. Okay. They haven't, so they haven't figured it. that part out. Right. All they know is these are real noisy Bigfoots, and there are eight of them. I don't know how. In the world, they're going to get eight of them in there, uh, but, but whatever. So they meet so another guy. Clown car, big feet in this metal teepee. They have some more information. There's an, a local guy named John, uh, another good old boy with a big beard, and he has an old barn. And he's been hearing strange noises coming from the barn, like timber breaking, something carrying on. The whole barn's all tore up. It's like God. I don't know. John's like I don't know. It's like they lost something in there. They're kind of looking for it. I don't know. Um, so anyway, he put some motion lights up, but they didn't turn on. So like, I don't know. The lights don't work. And God, it really sounds like something's looking for something in there. And so now Buck's like, hold on a second. This sounds a lot like the lightning man. I got it. And I think he might be looking for something. <laughs> so, so the guy's like, okay, well, that's all I have to say. Wait. Oh, oh, wait. Except for this. And he has a picture of a Native American painting in his barn. There's a lightning bolt on the ceiling. Uh Holy fucking shit. Like the lightning man. Commercial break. Comes back. We see that whole scene again. They recap the whole show again. And they think not only is it lightning man, but he's looking for something in that barn. Now, see, the thing is, it sounds like he's John says it sounds like he's looking for something. And so these guys are like, lightning man might be in there looking for things. You and know so, when a Bigfoot's looking for something. Everybody yes, knows that sound. Exactly. So they decide they don't have enough information to hunt the eight Bigfoots yet. Also, the trap's not done, but 
they know about this barn. So they decide that's the key. Also, that noisy tree they found. Anyway, they feel like they have enough information at least to hunt the Bigfoots, even though they don't have enough information to hunt the Bigfoots. So they send Willie and Wild Bill to the tree, a stealth mission to catch seven Bigfoots hitting a tree with a rock. <laughs> they hear a noise, uh, <laughs> but it's nothing. It's got. Uh, I know you thought oh, you thought it was going to be a Bigfoot, but it wasn't. It could have been, but but it, nothing happened. The others go into the barn. There's holes dug everywhere. This place is all fucked up. And they're like, what was that Bigfoot looking for? And they go, they, they hatch a plan. One of them goes, we'll go around and get to that section there, he says. But it's a 60-foot barn, a 60-foot square, I guess. Uh, so, so basically, he told them to go to the other side of the room and look there. But they make it look like it's like a military tactical maneuver again anyway, somebody might have died getting there like even even if there are no obstacles in the way just time would, yeah. would kill any of them at any moment walking across an old barn really should be treated very delicately with these guys but they find something poking up out of the dirt floor are they better diggers than bigfoot yes they <laughs> immediately find a totem pole it's an old wooden eagle it was buried very deep zero inches deep and they find, <laughs> but they decide. Now, does not, this, this, hold on. Does this also suspiciously look like either something bought from a gift shop and thrown around in a parking lot or it, something hastily hacked together by an intern with like a hatchet? It looks like uh, an unfinished chainsaw sculpture from someone learning how to do chainsaw sculpture. Okay. So it, it's not, it looks brand new. Like they pull out of the dirt, but it's very clearly yes, it's, like. It's obviously just brand it new. Yeah. Uh, so they, they decide this is not what the Bigfoot's looking for because it was too easy to find. It is unrelated to anything. I want you to just forget about the eagle totem pole they found. Damn it. <laughs> but, but they do find a lightning bolt under, uh, over, under, uh, uh, like a rafter. The one they've so been like, told about. Yes. So they're like, we need to look directly under this lightning bolt. This, holy shit, this lightning bolt could mean it's the lightning man. It's it's occurring to them again that that the Bigfoot is in here. It's the lightning man and he's looking for something. But now their lights are going out. Something is in there with them. But they didn't bring any kind of like anti-electric light source. Like they're like, what in the fuck is doing this? They have no idea. Then all of a sudden Jeff is down. Their lights are flashing a lot. And then three very obese men with no acting training or athletic ability pretend that Bigfoot is shoving them. We can't see the Bigfoot, but these guys are getting knocked around every direction. So and they then, do get physically attacked by a Bigfoot yes, in this episode. Yes, hundred percent. They are they they completely got like destroyed by this Bigfoot, and so then everyone's like, "Okay, I guess we're okay." And then uh, the other two guys come and they're like, "Hey, what happened?" They're like, "We was in that barn and everything just broke loose." That's how they describe being molested by a Bigfoot. So Wild Bill has the idea that Bigfoot doesn't want them to find whatever's in that barn. And then they hear an explosion. They're like, oh shit, that's that thunder. But it's not coming from the tree. They have a second explosion tree. And so they decide, let's go find that other thunder tree. So, But they're sure it's a tree still. We're sure that's a tree. They're 100% that it's another thunder tree, just like the one they found. And it's not what, what we could call the thunder brothers. It's not the seven big feet. The, I think their working houses. theory now is that the seven Bigfoot are just hitting trees in the area Aww. and they just are going to go to this other tree. So they have a little Tarzan branch and two of them swing on it for no reason. It's just kind of like a, a branch draping down from a tree and they swing about four or five feet and then fall. 
uh, over no hazards. It's just flat ground they swung on, but they included it. God bless them for doing it. Uh, That's don't work. Buck, Buck is gone. They're like, a Bigfoot took Buck. But listen to this. Buck knew that the Bigfoots were luring them away from the barn. So he thought, while these idiots are chasing that second thunder tree, I'm going to go back into the barn and dig underneath that lightning bolt. He's the brain so of the group. He's the Velma. Yeah, exactly. So he takes the other camera guy with him and they're, okay, <clears throat> you know, it's a distraction. They start digging. And then they like, they call him up. They're like, Buck, where the fuck are you? And he answers after like 20 of those. And he goes, I'm in the barn. <laughs> and then they all rescue. They all run to rescue him from the nothing. But it's not nothing. He starts pawing at the dirt. Another thing buried zero inches deep. It's a some kind of a granite wedge. Then here's what's crazy. A fucking Bigfoot hand reaches under the barn wall and grabs <laughs> for him. It's like... So, <laughs> Like an actual gorilla suit hand comes. Like it's 20% definitive proof of a fucking caught, Bigfoot they got it. on we camera. Him. We got him. And nobody cares. He's like, guys, that Bigfoot tried to grab me. And they're like, well, they must really not want you to have that that thing. And he's like, yeah, no no one mentions that they, they, that they have got, they proof. They just got Bigfoot on film. Yeah, and also you just got grabbed by a Bigfoot again. God, they love to grab you. Yeah, you'd think he'd be all fucked up from that, but he's not. That must have been a different species of Bigfoot. Anyway, um, Bigfoot was protecting this, uh, but he also couldn't find it. And they start to realize, hold on a second, our story doesn't add up. So they, uh, they've they rescued Buck in a golf cart. He's got the stone. He's like, ha, ha, ha. We have the thing they're looking for. Uh, they still don't quite get why. Uh, they're I'm, a, I'm very confused, and I think I'm representing that well. Because nobody knows why the Bigfoot was protecting it or looking for it, but he couldn't be doing both those things, right? Uh, and so now it's like, well, whatever. Uh, time to end the episode. Let's call it a day. We go, we've got the splitting wedge of the Bigfoot and uh, the totem, which I guess they just abandoned. They don't need that. So that's that's it. Very, very scary. I'm very sorry for anyone listening. Uh, if I have one criticism for this production... It's that I feel like a lot of times they assume that the audience has the same level of knowledge of Bigfoot lore mm-hmm. that, as they do. And so I feel like sometimes they fail to explain things that would fill in the gaps in terms of like the motivation of these creatures or right. the, the patterns of their behavior. And they almost just skip over things. They almost seem random. Um, and I know that that's part of what makes it scarier because again, these, they are dealing with the unknown and, and the nature of horror is the human, you know, emotion of dealing with the unknown and, and the primitive, you know, the primal feeling of going out into, into the wilderness and the darkness and facing what's out there. It's just that here, I have like, why did the Bigfoot put on a gorilla suit? Why did he put on the <laughs> fake gorilla suit before he grabbed Buck? Cause he doesn't is want that to be ceremonial? caught on <laughs> He's smart. See, he's out thinking it. And see, I, I think, I think they leave so much of this unsaid, uh, so that you can fill in the lore on your multiple rewatches mm. as you come back and rewatch the show over and you over catch again. The Easter eggs. Yeah, you discover more. You're like, I ah, now I get episode two. We were foreshadowing uh, the Thunder Brothers' uh, love of drums, of drum solos. That's what the drum but- solo was. 
Anyway, that's, uh, that's why he did it. So anyway, that's that's the Thunder Brothers story. That's uh, so scary to me. What did you bring, Brockway? What's your what's the spookiest episode of television for you? Okay, so I did not know we were doing a bit here. I brought thirty coins. Uh, the big baby <laughs> episode. There's like a big baby episode in thirty coins. <laughs> yeah, that was the scariest part when they went away from like the psychological horror and the spookiness and just had like a giant PlayStation One boss. Like that was like, oh my god, now it's scary. Yeah, the big baby, the big baby. I guess it's I, in Resident Evil. It really messed me up too. I guess I'm really scared of big babies, which is probably like one of those very obvious, like, like you know, if you go to a psychologist, they're like, yeah, okay, you, you're scared of having kids, is, is what you think. You're scared of mortality. It, uh, well, whatever. It really freaks me I out. Mean, so, I so, love the idea of having kids, but that Resident Evil baby is fucked. That thing. Okay, fuck so right. Big babies yeah. uh, really fuck with me. So 30 mm-hmm. Coins, the big baby episode. Uh, we start with uh, exiled Spanish priest Huckleberry. Uh, he's in the <laughs> back of the pickup truck, the Vatican's pickup truck, mm-hmm. listening mm-hmm. to uh, the other, the, the mayor of the of the village, Buck, uh, the re-explain. Sexy yes, the sexy Bad. mayor. He's beautiful. Sexy mayor. And he is, you'll never believe this, he's explaining uh, the episode you just told me about. Whoa. Uh, beat for beat. We recap Sean's entire episode, and <laughs> it's my favorite thing is the is the introductory recaps to these is when they have Buck explaining everything they've just been through yesterday, <laughs> right. and the boys. This is the one time the boys are the best actors is when they their job is to look like I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> I've never heard any of this before. They they prompt him. They're like, and what does that mean? Uh huh. Well, well, my God, Buck. That's so surprising. It's just. <laughs> wow. Like maybe I, I come to think maybe they do have some sort of memory problems. Uh, just looking at, at their existence and bodies and the way they behave. So Buck says he concludes the entire episode. Sean just said uh, by saying this is the most mysterious Bigfoot we have been after. Uh, he also tells me again, the lightning man is over eight foot tall, 500 pounds, jet black fur, mm-hmm. white stripe. Runs with seven other Bigfoots they call the Thunder Brothers. And uh now, who calls them that? I, I guess other big feet. I guess like the the big feet know and are frightened of this gang, I'm assuming. I think there's six six nations of natives that in Pennsylvania call them that, according to right, the Right. The we know lore. that from Native American lore, and I'm sure if we look into it. So Buck asked the question. Obviously, that is was going to haunt Sean to the end of days until I I happened to pick this episode. Why is the Lightning Man after this stone so hard? Why couldn't the Lightning Man dug it up himself? Now that's what we got to find out. We don't find it out right now, but that's it was buried zero inches deep. Bigfoot can't dig like that. So you'll never believe this. Uh, they find a local redneck with some mysterious knowledge that they need. And uh, he heads in himself so as not to spook Buck. He heads in himself so as not to spook their Bigfoot informant, uh, I guess. He's he's treated like a CI. They blur his face. In case they take him to Bigfoot court, uh, I am assuming. And everybody's really freaked out by being left in the pickup truck like a bunch of children while daddy does his business. And he, he the CI, Bigfoot CI... Bigfoot, Bigfoot snitch, let's call him. The Bigfoot snitch mm-hmm. is immediately hostile. And he says, now I told you, I don't want to talk to you. I've seen your show and I don't like it. 
That's the end of the sentence. Uh, it's the first interaction I so truly good. believe out of this show. Like, oh shit, this is for real. He's, he's really mad. But no, he, Buck shows him the stone that they dug up and he says, he changes his tune completely. Now he's so mm. frightened, a villager, worried of about course. a cursed artifact. But that shouldn't have been dug up. You ought to leave it alone. You, you need to leave it now. And then Buck stands there for a weird amount of time and then says, uh, so you're saying you don't want no part of it? Yeah. Uh, your, your line was, you didn't want no part of it? Like, would you say that, please? And he still, <laughs> he still doesn't say it. He just says, yeah, that's pretty much it. And Buck like, stands there for a little bit again and then leaves. <laughs> See, Buck's, Buck's a great improv guy. <laughs> so you're saying you... You know what? Would you say? Would you say that you don't want no part of it? Wink. Uh, anyway, nothing was accomplished. There was no reason for that, and that's the end of the scene. Um, can I can I just briefly interject here? If you do like a look at this episode of the storytelling from like a Marxist point of view, you see that they're relying on local knowledge instead of centralized planning and you see mm. the, like the difference between the elites who would probably look down on like someone like this local Bigfoot expert as a bumpkin or as whatever, you know, derogatory term you'd want to use. But it's like, there's, there's knowledge in the locals that only they understand because they, they've lived that experience. Right. And to have someone coming from the outside, like you kind of saw this in Jaws too. You had the academic coming in versus like the local, you know, fishermen, Mm -hmm. Coming at it from two completely different worlds, but both with the same goal in mind. And I feel like that's why th th this element is always in the storytelling. Because it's like, if you want to understand these creatures, you have to understand the people who have been attacked probably hourly by this thing. Absolutely. Every so time they whistle. In this scenario, Buck is the outside academic. Buck's the Richard Dreyfus of this. Yes coming in with his elite knowledge and getting rightfully chased away by the locals for not showing the, the proper amount of respect to the big, because he's rock. a fancy reality show personality. Yeah. I, I seen well, your in high last week, show. We all watch it in the last week. He has defiled uh, a burial ground, a Bigfoot burial ground, and then stolen a sacred artifact. So he is playing pretty. Yeah. It's a very Indiana Jones approach to Bigfoot and, very well, more like the Nazis in those movies, I guess. <laughs> so we go to a second expert hillbilly. Uh, I'm not sure why we needed to. Uh, this one's name is Shannon, and they drive up on him just in some random clearing in the night like they found him in the forest. And Wild Bill uh, has a has a weird energy about him. Like I, I've seen a lot of these episodes and Wild Bill, hmm. some episodes he seems a little more down to earth. Well, right now, he leaps off of his ATV and says, campfire built up. Check that out, man. Yes, sir. Campfire right there. And he, said, he points at the campfire a bunch of times. And uh, I think I think uh, the psychological like tension of hunting mm. all of these big feet is uh, maybe wearing on him. Maybe we're going to do like a Jacob's Ladder thing with Wild Bill dealing with his Bigfoot trauma. Uh, but that's for later. Shannon, their local hillbilly shaman, says, lightning man, huh? No one wants to make the Lightning Man or the Thunder Brothers mad at him. So he knows immediately what you're talking yeah. about. They have a long-standing relationship with the Big Feet. They, they kind of coexist, I guess, is the mm. is the implication. I know that was that was hinted at in your episode, Sean, but we're really saying like they're they're almost on on the Thunder Brothers side. Uh, right. But but they gotta admit, you know, it's becoming a problem. 
Got in the same HOA. Now we cut away to Huckleberry, uh, who is really mad, and he's saying he's he's very loudly yelling into the camera, and he says, "A lot of folklore goes along with this, and you know what? I'm having a hard time swallowing it because uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was like this in other episodes too. That's because Huckleberry is our Dana Scully character, our mm-hmm. powerfully sexual, science-minded skeptic who doesn't believe." <laughs> the Bigfoot rumors automatically and his filthy overalls. He didn't get dressed in the dark. Uh, Shannon, God bless Shannon. <laughs> Shannon, the Bigfoot expert is even by their standards, just some production assistant. They had to wrangle in at the last minute because that last guy flubbed his lines. And so he's, he's everything he says is extremely sarcastic improv. Like they tell him they found that lightning bolt symbol. And he says, why a lightning bolt? You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> because he knows exactly what that is. Uh, he's their Pennsylvania Bigfoot expert. Buck hands on the stone. He says, oh my gosh, you boys are lucky to be alive. <laughs> of course they are. Because this right here is the Thunderblade. Oh, fucking now, sweet. I'm, I'm going to give you a little a foreshadowing of this episode. We are going to do, we're going on a Bigfoot quest. We're going on a Skyrim quest through Bigfoot territory uh, to hunt down a legendary weapon. And uh, this is probably the most outlandish episode of the show. So what I'm going to do from here until the end, uh, I will, there are three things that I have made up. I will sow three untruths into this. So keep track of it and tell me what you think I made up by the time we get to the end. All right. Okay. So this here is the Thunderblade. And uh, Huckleberry says, oh, Thunderblade, huh? Never heard of that. <laughs> but the Thunderblade is missing two items, the handle and the leather lashing to bind it. And you won't believe this. The only thing that can harm the Lightning <laughs> Man is the completed Thunder Axe. So we are oh, doing, fucking rules. doing a fucking fantasy weapon quest to kill Bigfoot. I love that the lashing has survived all these generations. Yeah, the leather lashing. Okay, and this is not something you made up for comedy purposes. This is... Oh, you tell me. You tell me when I have gone too far, sir. The problem is I'm Googling all of this. I'm looking at all the news sites. I'm looking in the New York Times Mm -hmm. because it feels like... Like, I don't know how this turned out, obviously. I've not seen the episode, but it feels like this would have made the news, at least locally... The people Leather taking down the Thunder Brothers, taking down a gang of eight big feet with a magical. Again, are act. you looking up the whole? It's Lightning Man and the Thunder Brothers. It's a band. I'm getting an anime. I'm getting a brewery, like a hipster brewery. Right, it seems that. like you're a little lost. So let's cut to Huckleberry re-explaining everything that just happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now you see. Now you're on the. Now that you haven't seen the episode. You understand. They're walking you through it. It's necessary. Uh, So he delivers all of this fantasy exposition and uh, in just this filthy, unhappy, uncooperative hillbilly way where he shouts at the camera, now that thing's called a Thunderblade and you can use that again, a lightning man. And uh, that's that's what we're doing. That's what we're fucking doing, boys. Oh, yeah. Uh, It turns out... (laughs) Let me brace up for this next part. It turns out the Native Americans handed the Thunderblade down to the settlers. Oh. That's how that worked. Uh, inheritance. The Native Americans 
uh, just went ahead and, and passed things down to the settlers that, that came and re-inhabited the lands that they were leaving. I, Probably was, not a trap. Probably a generous gift from I a just, thankful every, people. In every one of these episodes, whenever they talk about like Native American lore, it's always like the Native Americans are completely gone from this earth. And they, they just tell stories of like the the gifts that they have left the white man to decipher <laughs> the mystical threats that we now find ourselves under. So it's they're the they elves. Drew, they're the elves. They drew a lightning Wars. bolt on the barn in case man ever needs to find the the Thunderblade. Right. Like like uh, they're they're their elf they left their elf magic behind uh as they retreated from our land to dwell. Uh, in the lands beyond the sea that we call the reservation. It turns out it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because as long as you have the Thunder Axe, you are protected from all big feet. But it is a terrible curse if the Lightning Man ever gets a hold of it because he will become immortal and invincible. Oh, shit. I'm going to assume... Uh, destroy the world and and rule it with, I guess not an iron fist, like a hairy fist, a mortal invincible thunder axe, Bigfoot. You know what? So Kong, if you had this axe, like the lightning man can't hurt you, but he could take your axe. I guess that must be true because he was looking for it. Okay. This is, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trembling with rage right now. <laughs> This is so irresponsible. We just had a scandal recently with a journalist who knew certain things about the Trump administration, but chose to keep them for a book she was writing. Uh-huh. There are things that had potentially national security implications if they had been made public at the time instead of after he's out of office. The fact that they had what clearly is a threat to, if nothing else, the United States national security. If, they're, if a big ship should become immortal yeah. in Pennsylvania... That that is where they are, right? Yeah, yeah. It is very easily easy to game plan out all sorts of scenarios where that goes badly for the economy, yeah. for the fabric of society. That they didn't alert the proper authorities and instead saved it for a TV episode is frankly outrageous. And I hope they were prosecuted for this. Mm-hmm. They could have they could have warned us and uh, of of exactly what's happening today, which is clearly the work of a rogue Bigfoot. I mean, I mean, this was, God, this was years ago. This was filmed years they ago. They must have, they must have big feet on the inside in the government, in the media. I mean, yeah, that kind of goes without saying, like, I, I don't think, I don't think big Bigfoot would appreciate you just pointing it out like that. Uh, this Bigfoot's unleashed a flock of bats at me. Now I, I've got some sort of an infection. It's, it's getting into my lungs. I think, yeah, yeah, I think you'll find the exact moment that that Bigfoot uh, gets his hand on this axe in the episodes. Uh, they oh, just stopped shit. filming because that's when the pandemic hit. Mm. Like immediately, it hit them first. So anyway, now that we've established it's a blessing and a curse, uh, protection as long as you have it, a curse if the Lightning Man ever gets a hold of it. We smash cut to Huckleberry, who says, It's a blessing and a curse. The protection is it's the only thing that can be used against the Lightning Man. The curse is if he gets a hold of it, and then there's no stopping him. And then we uh, we replay the scene, and then we... So stop him with the thing that does stop him that isn't the axe. Clearly something stops him <laughs> that isn't the axe. 
I don't know. The axe, the axe is a protection against him, but it's also a curse. I don't think you heard Huckleberry, so let's get Buck in here to repeat it one more time. I feel like we'd be bad Bigfoot hunters. We were like, no, that's not going to work. Hey, your trap fucking sucks. I don't think Bigfoot's in that bush. Like, I, I feel like we just ruined this whole show. <laughs> so it, we cut away to some backstory. Uh, it turns out in the early 1900s, the Sutter family had the axe and they dismantled it. Uh, for reasons that we will never specify and are probably hard to make up. Uh, he gave a piece to Pro each of his boys, foot. each of his three children, and had them hide them across uh, the exact same woods that, they, that Lightning Man lives in so okay. that Lightning Man would never be able to find them. Okay. And then they put those lightning bolt symbols, the Native American lightning bolt symbols, and it turns out those were all the magic spells that made Bigfoot unable to see what they're beneath or what's beneath them. Uh, uh, okay. Right. Okay. You're following. So, Don't worry. Okay, we just need some, is, is it, we is need some big cowboy this hats. Is part, this is the part you're making up. Is this, this part, I'm not going to tell you now. 100%. I'll tell you at the end. Oh, okay. Okay. So by, and by unearthing it, by digging up that ax, you guys have broken the spell. And now, the Thunder Brothers and the Lightning Man can get the axe. They know where the axe is. So it was safe, and you guys just fucked it all up. Fucked mm-hmm. it all up for everybody. And now you got to fix it. It's crazy, though, because normally Buck and this whole team is so careful. that It's really rare for them to just bumble into something and just start knocking things over, digging them up, building makeshift traps. Much like all Bigfoot hunters walkways. are notoriously a careful and studied scientific yeah. people. Uh, respectful of the great beast and huh. the surroundings. So Huckleberry. One, one mistake. Just one simple. I mean, all the best stories, all the best quests start with the hero failing so that they can you know, build themselves mm-hmm. back up. It's really cl- classic fantasy quest rules we're on here. It's and, a, and also up till now, they have not harmed a single Bigfoot. True. If anything, they've been harmed the by every Bigfoot that, that has ever existed. <laughs> If anything, Bigfoot's the bad guy, when you think about it. Now, Huckleberry is worried that since uh, they just figured out that the brothers could get the rest of the axe, and now that they've broken the spell, he's worried that they might want to get the axe. And so we're going to recap that scene, no joke, three more times. uh, Right back to back, not even after a commercial break. We just finished the scene, recap it, have Huckleberry recap it, have Buck recap Huckleberry's recap, and then, my God, we cut back to Huckleberry, who recaps his own recap. It's amazing. <laughs> it is fucking the That's, montage from Bloodsport level of complicated filmmaking. It's this short-term memory loss that's probably why they eat 11 breakfasts every day. <laughs> it's a real tra- tragedy. that Nobody stops them, not a single person. And they're, they're just out here hunting for Bigfoot, and they forgot they already found him. It's, just, it's the only thing that keeps them grounded. So... How do we get rid of the lightning man? It turns out that this axe, uh, it has to touch him in some form. Okay. He's got to touch it and then lose it before it can be dis- disassembled and reburied. However, it's never mentioned that they have not yet assembled it. So I, I don't know. I don't know what this is, but he's got, <laughs> they've got a, they've got a tag Bigfoot with okay. the magic axe, but not let him keep it because if he keeps it, 
then he becomes so fucking Bigfoot the Conqueror and yeah, rules. Hit him with the fucking X. That was plan A. But but real quick, he can't keep it. Don't give it to okay. him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hit the hit the Bigfoot with the X and kill the Bigfoot. Don't, that, oh, yeah. Is the, that the not, show takes is eight that minutes not the plan? To explain this. It is the plan, <laughs> but we just figured it out. <laughs> All right. Luckily, Shannon knows the clues for the other locations. I'm not kidding. That's what he says. He says, luckily, there's clues. Here they are. And then he hands them several oh, written clues. Fantastic. It's a <laughs> Well, in that last episode, when they had a clue, it was uh, the text was backwards. And that was like the big reveal. They put it in a mirror and they're like, wait a second. This text here is backwards. Oh, no. So I'm guessing these clues are very complicated. Oh, no. Gentlemen, it's, it's wonderful. They rhyme. They're riddles. <gasps> It's a toddler scavenger hunt. It's completely <laughs> adorable. Uh, so the first clue, they, they unro- unroll the scroll and say, they bang the trees and the thunder comes, but the thunder boys should bang the drum. And they, huh. Gotta think about hmm. this one. It's weird to translate it from Comanche and have it rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> they think about this for a while and they come up with, Nothing. Uh, Huckleberry says, I ain't good with riddles. And Buck says, me neither. They all agree they can't solve the riddle and they leave. Uh, well, Def Leppard's drummer only had one arm. So we're looking for a one-armed Bigfoot. So so Buck then recaps their situation to the camera and he lays it out. Well, we got to solve this puzzle, but it's us versus, versus Bigfoot. Who can solve the puzzle first? <laughs> That's incredible. They They've themselves. entered a battle of wits with the Bigfoot. With, a, with Bigfoot uh, to solve a rhyming riddle left about the magic axe that they must find the three pieces to and reassemble to banish, unless he becomes an immortal and killable force. That's where this fucking show goes in season four. There are eight seasons. God, oh, I love so it. So good. Uh, so it's, do they go to the tree, that tree that they bang on? Uh, no, actually, because Shannon's not done handing them the plot to oh, the story. Yes. He also says, well, here's the first place you guys go to. Okay. Just, thanks, Jim. I love that. He oh, says, thank God for this guy. What a handy guy. He says, I have some clues for you. And he hands them clues. And then he says, here's the first place you guys go to just a heads up. A crazy guy lives there. Uh, and Buck goes, Oh, great. That's nice. Huckleberry agrees. Well, that's just what we need. A crazy guy. I just, the clumsiest exposition. He knows the next set piece, an obstacle, and they were like, I don't know, wing it. And he was just like, no, absolutely not. I will not. I will not wing it. Uh, he tells them their next scene, and my God, hillbilly foreshadowing, he's right. They go there. All right, the crazy guy's now. Let's do a recap. Let's do a recap first, oh, right? Oh, you're right. I, I'm, I'm skipping four recaps. Uh, I really should pause. <laughs> I've skipped. Uh, I believe they stopped to recap. They recapped the riddle. They recapped that there are riddles out there. They recapped mm-hmm. that they were not good with riddles. And then they recapped that the lightning men would find them. And that's why Buck had to come in at the end of the recap and say, it's us versus Bigfoot in a battle of wits. Who is the smarter ape? Uh, <laughs> now, if, if I have one criticism of this production. And you don't. It's, <laughs> it's, it's good. I feel, I feel like they're editing out all of the like, because in reality, I assume it took them months to find the next item, the next clue, mm-hmm. the next. But they edited it down to make it sound, to make it look like they just jumped out of their golf cart and they're immediately at the next thing. 
with with no almost no effort like they basically just stumble across someone who will tell them i'm sure in real life like it doesn't mm-hmm. you know just as indiana jones that's not real archaeology you right. know in real life it's it's much more slower but, uh, patient process but speaking of i think it would benefit if you pulled out to the map like indiana jones and they showed like the little golf cart kind of going a couple <laughs> going feet a to the right mile away <laughs> <laughs> And then them getting the out and the dot just goes like two feet. Just, uh, yeah, dot just stays oh, there you can for always, like five you can minutes. You see that golf cart in the background of every shot. They are not willing to leave that. And the same tiny patch of woods that's someone's privately owned property right. that they've asked to shoot there. And it's anyway. Well, this right. guy's not happy about it. His name is Skunky Tom. Skunky Tom, the crazy fella who guards Bigfoot secrets. We're looking for the next piece in the forest. Remember, we do have that clue. Uh, so we set... Huckleberry and Wild Bill on Skunky Tom watch, and they're gonna they're gonna try to ward off or or just spot Skunky Tom, which of course means wandering through the woods, uh, pretending that they see Skunky Tom, and then realizing they don't, and then pretending they see him again. Uh, the rest goes search, okay. and they now you think you think based on that riddle, right? Like let's let me scroll back up. They bang the trees, and the thunder comes, but the Thunder Boys should bang the drum. What do you think the solution to that riddle is? Where do you think this piece of the the axe is hidden? Uh, it's probably in a drum. My God, Skunky Tom's drum. Uh, it turns out it's steel drums uh, thrown about in the woods like garbage. Just, oh, I see. So just some water in the woods for hundreds of years. <laughs> Apparently, they they are pretty okay. rusty steel drums thrown loosely in the woods. Uh, they're very clearly just like oil barrels. Uh, so they go through each very carefully. Uh, there's a dead animal in one. There's a handful of leaves in the other and the other one has like rotted through and, uh, it turns out that's not it. So we move on. <laughs> You're so close. We killed four. Oh man. Bigfoot's still one step ahead. But that killed four minutes. And, uh, also we get to recap it. So, oh, good. so it did serve a purpose. Now, Huckleberry chimes in and says, Skunky Tom knows these woods like you know your living room. The only way we'll catch him is by little movements. We gotta be aware of every little thing that moves out here. So we know <laughs> Skunky Tom lore like Skunky Tom is an offshoot of Bigfoot. They mm-hmm. they know their they know about his strengths and weaknesses, and he's he's the fucking predator. Skunky Tom is invisible if if he doesn't want well, you to see. You come into my living room and you will not see me. You gotta look for the tiniest movements. I'm like fucking little <laughs> micro movements. Just a gremlin running between couches. That's Skunky Tom. Uh, so Buck's wandering through the woods, and then he says, oh, shit, there's a drum. Uh, another steel drum. A big one this time. And Buck explains, well, that's a real big drum for a real big foot. That's definitely real. That is not one of the fake facts you know. <laughs> there's a- um, I, I apologize. I, I know I keep interrupting. I'm so sorry. Um, I googled skunky, skunky Tom. <laughs> God, tell me what and you got. The top result was a post from the Mountain Monsters subreddit. Oh nice. shit! It has two thousand one hundred nine readers. About to be two thousand one hundred ten as soon as oh, I click this year button. There are four readers in there now, including me. <laughs> And the person is asking if it's possible that Skunky Tom was a shapeshifter. Now, that, okay, that, that is a good question. That is there intriguing. are five responses. That is intriguing. 
Okay, let, we'll, we'll present you with the evidence. Uh, there's a lightning bolt on the inside of the lid of the big drum. And they inside oh, that, they find go. another thing. They find an old pipe with something inside that. That's three things inside three things. A Bigfoot would never find it. Uh, they tell Huckleberry they found a <laughs> pipe, and he radios back, A pipe? <laughs> Gunshot. Shotgun blast. Shaky, cam, shirtless, hillbilly, foot chase. It's Skunky Tom, we gotta go. Get the hell out of here, Skunky Tom. We're going. <laughs> <laughs> and Skunky Tom is shot in exactly the same way you would shoot a Bigfoot. Uh, just like they panic glance and you see a semi-naked hillbilly just running mutely at them from the woods. And, and, they, they keep and yelling, he took a shot at him. And he apparently took a shot at them. He's running wow. them down with a shotgun. And they are traveling at what is generously a walk. Uh, and they managed to, to outrun him enough to get to their, their golf cart. And, uh, that's the thing you look for the small movements. You wait, you wait for a shotgun blast and then a maniac to come sprinting out of the woods with no clothes on. You gotta like watch for it, wait for it. And he's going to make a very subtle, small movement that lets you see him. The exact same tactics the predator used in predator. Exactly. Scene for scene from that, that scene in predator where the predator stripped down naked fired a blast in the air and then charged at them. Uh, they once again, several times they, re- they recap the chase as they're being chased. Uh, explain, yes, explain the skunky Tom is chasing them and they got, they got to get the hell out of there again. not even having cut to commercial break. Well, we might've cut to a commercial, but somewhere in there we're recapping again and they say, well, we got to go. Skunky Tom's chasing after us. Get away, Skunky Tom. And then they get in their little golf cart and charge away and just constantly reminding each other of the stakes like little kids playing pretend. And I love it. I love it so much. It is so good. This does remind me of uh, games I play with my daughter. Like I do a game where I'm trying to peek around a corner and then I'll accidentally jump out and then make a ton of noise and charge directly at her. And it's a real crowd pleaser for a five-year-old. I didn't know. I didn't know that like, it's also how a Bigfoot hunter goes about like sneaking up on someone. Uh, well, a shapeshifter dodging. That's how you counter. They've just countered a shapeshifter as, a, as we have just learned. The stakes were yeah, much that's higher. True. So clearly these are the tactics of a shapeshifter. It is shapeshifted into a naked hillbilly <laughs> to pass uh, as as unseen through the lands of man, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and that's how it handled it. Uh, so they chainsaw open the pipe. And the other thing I love about the show is that they chainsaw at least one thing every episode. And every mm-hmm. time they do, everybody goes, hell yeah. And they high five. Uh, it's best. They just, they love it. They love fucking chainsaw and shit. Uh, inside the pipe is the handle of the thunder axe. Now, now chainsawed in half. <laughs> no, no, they got it. They got it out. But, there's there's some there's sad news. Buck has to leave because he has to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't his job. He this is, he Discovery make- Plus can't pay the principal formers <laughs> enough to fucking. I, I actually left that out of my. I had it in my notes for my episode that the scene where it's it's everybody but Buck. They did say. Well, Buck had to go to work, so we're going to work on the trap. And it's one of those guys who were walking up the hill and all that. That was all stuff that they, they had to think of something to do because Buck had to work that day. And God, they didn't try amazing. to like write him out of the story. They just straight up said, Buck had to go work at Chipotle. And <laughs> just cut to him at a gas station. Just like, man, I, was out there. I wish I was out there Bigfooting. Oh, man. Uh, Buck has a regular job. 
Uh, he's Hard just, out there he's just for Bigfoot, a reality star. Bigfoot larps of, out of <laughs> yeah. passion on the weekends. So, again, you will never believe this. They're using the same steel cage from Sean's episode. Like, oh. like they almost maybe didn't have the budget to do another trap. Well, they didn't finish it in my episode. So, like, ah, well, this time it's finished. But okay, but they're putting another mini cage in front of the cage, and they're going to put the axe inside it on a rope. And once the Bigfoot reaches for it, they'll zoop it away like the dollar bill That's trick. what it... Remember, Jason was like, there's, there's no bait in that trap. And right. now we've got it. Now, now we've, we've got, got a, the bait. A secondary cage and literally the oldest trick in the book. But come on, you don't need to overthink tricking a Bigfoot, right? Uh, this is presented mm-hmm. as revolutionary thinking. Uh, to trick The whole point is to trick him into touching it, but not keeping it, Remember? Uh-huh. You, you so, thought, rightly so, that means hit him with the axe. They sure. thought two traps, one a teepee, one a mini cage, a pipe, <laughs> and a rope to get him to touch it and then yank it away. And then the trap closes not on Bigfoot. It's an axe trap, that teepee. That teepee was meant to hold an axe. It's brilliant. It'll work. Uh, Wild Bill loves it. And he, uh, he gets a little too excited. So before the scene finishes, he runs off in the woods and he goes, ha, we need to find that now. And I mean, right now, let's go. And uh, you take that as a cue to be like, eh, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's my favorite when he just loses control of that meth energy and just charges off and they, they all have to improv with it. Like, I guess he's correct. We, we got to run from the cops now. Uh, <laughs> uh, Huckleberry says, well, all we got a clue, Jeff. Here it goes. The rain, it falls, and then it pools and hides away the leather clue. That's the riddle. The clue. I'm sorry. The clue The clue references a clue. Okay. The rain, it falls, and then it pools and hides away the leather clue. So they're looking for a puddle. Yeah. Uh, as Huckleberry explains, we got to think in terms of where water pools. <laughs> and uh, there's some there's some dissension in the group. And... Mm. Uh, Huckleberry settles them all down and says, well, okay, okay, but we think it's got something to do with water. They oh, can agree okay. on that much. It has God, something to do with water. These guys have all the intelligence of a Bigfoot. <laughs> uh, Huckleberry does seem to be rightfully shamed by this as later when they're walking through the woods, he says, guys, when I signed up for this, I didn't know I was going to have to be a riddler solver. That's not, that, that was how he said it. Riddler solver. Uh-huh. He seems genuinely ashamed, and I will leave him alone now because it made me feel bad. Okay. Anyway, you will never guess the answer. Uh, do you want to guess the answer? The rain, it falls, and then it pools? Uh, it's a, uh, you're going to say puddle. It's a, it's a big, if it's not a puddle, it's I'm, a big puddle. Okay. <laughs> you, guys have, you guys are one step ahead of this Bigfoot at every turn. Uh-huh. Big puddle that's been there for yeah. It's a pond, but it's like not much of a okay. pond. It's just clearly a. It is literally a big puddle. Uh, and, uh, Willie, Willie, the other meth guy, uh, puts it so politely who, what their role is and who they are. He says, me and wild bill, we're the athletic ones on this team. So we're going to go get wet. We're going to jump in the tepid water. Yeah, no, it's true. When these guys go paintballing together, it is gotta be hilarious. It's gotta be like four of them just kind of waddling out there while wild bill is behind him. Just like banging him over the head with a fucking paintball gun. (laughs) Gotcha, 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 gotcha. I win again. Woo. 
Uh, we're the athletic ones on this team, so if you guess, there's a little something for the ladies. Uh, some wet hillbilly man aquatic play. Okay. Uh, you were 100% correct. Uh, they they strip down to their stained underwear, and they do cannonballs into a two-foot-deep pool of rusty water. And then they playfully <laughs> splash each other like, uh, like coy nymphs in a Victorian fountain. <laughs> Uh, okay. They had diarrhea for four days, and then and then all of a sudden, I got something. Dramatic sting. Cut to commercial. Recap. 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 What is it? Bucket. <laughs> <laughs> he picks up a bucket, throws a bucket out of the pond, and they do the same thing to find uh, what looks like a meat cutter, just like a, an abandoned meat cutter, a garbage okay. can lid. They're legitimately going to die from going in this pond. Yeah, this is a dangerous puddle. Only one place they ain't checked, under the dock. And they found a box under there. And Huckleberry, Huckleberry says, a box. That's the perfect place. Nobody checks for a box under a dock. That's true. And some, a 200-year-old strap of old wet leather, that's going to be in great shape. Actually, it's an old ammo box, uh, clearly from oh, Vietnam, God. from a military surplus story. Does not add up to the timeline at all, and nobody gives a shit, so let's get past but it. But it's watertight. And it's watertight. Uh, Wild Bill gets way too excited at this. He stops making words. He just starts going, rah, 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 and he starts like slap pawing at the box, totally stymied by the lid mechanism, uh, which is it's a lift. It's a lift mechanism where you lift. The he was lid. more of a bayonet murderer, a nom. He didn't really go for the ammo so much. Just slap fighting it until they literally take it away from him and somebody else has to open it. Uh, <laughs> there's a lightning bolt on the lid, and you're right, it is the lashing. Oh, it's fucking perfect. Huckleberry recaps it for us and says, help recaps the whole thing, but then finishes by saying, now we can put it together and this lightning man coming after it hard. And Buck says, this lightning man is drawn to the thunder axe. He knows we got this thing assembled. He's coming hard. <laughs> so he's coming hard is what I'm he's saying. He's coming hard two different ways. At this point, and I, I know that the listeners have listened to, you know, however long, almost two hours of this episode, there's been so much buildup to the lightning man because like my episode, you know, set the stage for who these people mm -hmm. are in their quest. And then Sean's episode, like just hinted at what's out there. The fact that we're now about to see the lightning man, God, like I'm wait. almost physically ill with the tension. Cause it's like, it's been so built up and it's, this thing is so dangerous that it, potential like apocalyptic consequences. If they do this wrong, literally mm -hmm. the stake of the world the entire world is riding on these eight, yeah. seven drunken hillbillies in a golf cart uh, fighting a Bigfoot. It reminds me of the final episode of Chernobyl when they finally reveal the glowing blob that had formed from all of the radioactive corpses. <laughs> oh, it's like they have to fight this thing. and It's just incredible. You want to be disappointed, but the budget all went to that. Just masterfully handled that giant nuclear baby. It really freaked me out. <laughs> uh, I am Chernobyl. <laughs> I think that's what I think that was his thing. Yeah, that's where that name. That's why we call it Chernobyl. That was the name of the baby. Uh, so Huckleberry sees the trap for the first time and says, by God, that's a trap with a bonus trap. Just beautiful. <laughs> Huckleberry is my quickly growing to be my favorite as i'm sure you can tell uh, he has to go in the trap with all the pieces in case the lightning man shows up they demonstrate the trap and trap huckleberry they, they got a of huckleberry course. it works on him 
Uh, now, is this humorous when th- that happens, or is it a, is it tragic? Uh, it's kind of both. Okay. It's a little interesting. It's it's definitely playing in that territory of like we're we're joking around, but you know, not everybody's surviving this episode. Like this is probably yeah. the last time the crew is is going to be together. Yeah. You uh, kind of you seem to when it's funny, but like you know that Huckleberry does spend forty percent of his day in traps, and that's <laughs> the tragic part. Is that they don't even have to try? He's just constantly. He's always, <laughs> always testing it. Uh, next is the extremely extended tying the stone to the handle with the leather strap sequence. It goes on way longer than you would think it should, and you probably think it goes on for a long time, only for them to finally figure out. Well, we can't do it. And yeah, they go it look seems up, like a specialized skill. Yeah, they go look it up, and it turns out they're missing another lashing. There was a secret piece. A oh. secret piece of leather that, that is missing. And luckily, Jeff knows instantly that it must be in the hollow cap of the threaded pipe <laughs> they found the handle in. He oh. probably was meant to say something like, I remember that further, but he just goes mutely over to the, le- the threaded pipe and starts banging <laughs> it on a rock. <laughs> And everybody's okay. like, oh, okay, he's doing something. And they crowd around him and he just mutely bashes it for a while until something falls out. It's another clue. Oh my Ye God. Shall it's find. not, I'm just, I can't believe it's not the lashing, but a <laughs> further clue. It's a clue for the other piece of leather. Ye shall find if ye seek in the cabin by the creek. I don't know why it's in Old English, this one. Uh, what well, seems like a weird choice for the Native Americans. Uh, <laughs> And even Buck somehow gets fed up with this and says, this is feeling like some kind of wild goose chase. Like, I probably it really should've... is like to, to just like fucking say, hey, go to the pond in like rural Pennsylvania is madness. And then say the cabin by the creek. It's just like that is literally every single structure for 400 miles. Well, you won't believe this. It's only a few steps away. Um, of course. It's, it's, well, yes, I know that. You know that. But like in the fiction of this universe, these are not clues. <clears throat> Bigfoots don't have a large territory. It's like somebody's yard. Like it's a very small area that they like to stick to because as we've seen, there are literally hundreds of millions of them crowding the woods. <laughs> uh, so Jeff, Huckleberry, and Willie go looking while Wild Bill and Buck stay in the trap to, I guess, taunt the lightning man with the pieces of the axe they have found. Uh, the searchers find an outhouse by the creek and they say where there's an outhouse there's a cabin so once again we have a toilet playing a pivotal role in the episode which has happened in I want to say three out of four of every episode I watched a toilet plays at least a good comedy beat Mm -hmm. Uh, so they find this ancient shed it is clearly hastily built plywood like straight from Home Depot like the underside of particle board and stuff with the paint markings on it and they're like they have the audacity to say, you can tell it's ancient by the architecture and then gesture around at it. <laughs> uh, there's you can a, tell it's ancient by the press tags. There's a chimenea in there that I swear to God I recognize from walking through the garden section. And there's <laughs> shiny brand new aluminum heat shielding instead of like a, a chimney, which they must have used 100 years ago. And fresh firewood in there. Jeff knows immediately, we got to light that fire. There's a, uh-huh. there's a special light will shine out from the cracks in the stove. Oh my God. And so they do. And it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) But the log is weird. There's a weird log and they dig it out and the lashing was hidden inside the log. It was hidden in a metal tube inside the log. And then thunder. It's the thunder brothers. They found them. 
They start banging on the walls of the shed. So they got to cool it off. We got to cool it off. We got to cool it off right now. We got to get out of here. Stop. Recap the situation a few times. Come back. Still got to cool it off. You, you got to know what's (laughs) happening next, right? Um, I mean, I assume they get the camera steps out of the structure and just sees all yeah. eight of these big feet in full, fully lit, just uh, right, right there in the open. No, it's a hillbilly cryptid piss play. Uh, he Huckleberry drops his overalls and pisses all over it, and that's how they cool it off. And then they grab the piss-covered clue, and uh, Huckleberry recaps his piss. I believe as he's taking it, like they stop mid piss. Cut away to Huckleberry says, I was thinking on my damn feet, so I just pissed on it to cool it off. And then they cut back to him pissing on it. They grab it. They run. Uh, they're back in the trap. The lights go out. The lightning man is here. Buck has a lighter. It lasts for three seconds. I don't know why we bothered burning that time. Uh, the rest of the crew wanders up to the trap. Uh, I thought the big feet were supposed to be around the trap, too. That was how they were making it out. But they're now nowhere to be seen. Uh, it's amazing how they can vanish like that. Uh, so they wander up to the trap. They hand the axe through the bars. Huckleberry and Bill go outside to what to watch the trap. Uh, everyone else stays inside, and then once again we repeat the struggling to tie an axe together scene for like five minutes. Uh, like this is the Resident Evil riddle of you know rotating the piece and trying to get it to slot together. Only it's seven hillbillies, one piece of rock, one piece of wood, and some leather string. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> They get it together and Willie grabs it, holds it over his head. The camera like pans up his body really slowly. And he says, we have the power as uh, lightning strikes outside and they all cheer for him. That's the one you made. There's no way this guy watches He-Man. Actual lightning struck when he did that. Yes, we, they have somehow summoned a storm now uh, because we have forgotten that the, it's just about the drumming on the tree. So now they do have storm powers. Uh, so a lightning storm has settled in around the campers. Uh, they set the axe. Did in Buck? A, did Buck get a little orange mask and transform into a, like a? Did he elongate into a tiger at the same time? Uh, he did get an <laughs> orange mask. He really just took off his clothes, and then they stood around like they were riding him. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Huckleberry, if you slap him, his face spins around to be a different face. Uh, <laughs> right, of course, <laughs> children of the eighties will get that one. <laughs> Fisto. Just <laughs> all right. Uh, so they set the ax in the mini trap and wild bill comes on to sum it up wonderfully. And he says that lightning man, no, uh, huh? He on that thunder ax box now, huh? Uh, so that's where Lefeth <laughs> is really getting a hold of him in this episode. He, a mechanic, this guy doing the podcast really likes he man. He remembers Stinkor too. <laughs> He thought just by shouting the word Fisto that that would be enough. He didn't have, he didn't <laughs> he have an observation to go with it. He just said Fisto. And you know what? God damn it all. He was right. It was pretty He fun. wasn't wrong. He that wasn't was wrong the whole all. bit. They called the guy Fisto. And that was his whole bit. <laughs> all right. So the, the storm comes up full raging out of nowhere. And you won't believe this. Fucking lightning strikes the team. Boom. The, they, uh, they pan up and a small tree is partially on fire. Lightning hit right there. Jeffro is down. Jeffro has been struck by Bigfoot lightning. Holy shit. It knocked his boot clean off. Uh, Buck wakes him up very gentle and tender by saying, I got some bad news for you, brother. Been struck by lightning. 
your boot blew off and you pissed your pants. And now we pan down <laughs> to his pissed overalls again, more, more hillbilly cryptid piss play. A second example of that in the finale of this episode. And Jeff recaps this by saying, next thing I know, a huge boom blew the piss out of me. <laughs> Good recap. That's how I would describe it. Uh, the trap springs off camera while they're all here watching Jeff piss himself. Uh, that, that's how they spend the finale. And they go check. The Thunder Axe is in there. They did it. They defeated eight Storm Big Feet and all without having to see a single Bigfoot. I'm assuming he died, I guess, is the stakes. <laughs> like, like he just vanished, disintegrated into dust and was blown away by his own storm. I don't know. Uh, I do know Huckleberry says, I got happy feet. And he does two steps of a jig before running out of steam and sitting down. Uh, <laughs> so they I also the got floor. sciatica. So let's chill with the feet. So they flee the forest with the Thunder Axe. I, it's not clear if they're being pursued by the remaining gang of surviving Big Feet, uh, but they definitely outrun them easily in this desperately overloaded golf cart full of I, like a 1,200 pounds a man. Uh, <laughs> they agree uh, in a little huddled meeting to dismantle and bury the axe. It's a secret. We take our, to our grave and they all touch the axe and make a solemn pledge. And then Buck says... But we're going to write a riddle. That way we can reassemble the Thunder Axe in case we have to use it against the Lightning Man again. I love it. You well, gotta... won't they just remember where it... Or, or are they talking about so, so future generations if they have to reassemble No, it? his exact words were, but we're going to write a riddle. That way we can reassemble the Thunder Axe in case we have to use it against the Lightning Man again. It's for them. They're, in case they forget it, which we have established... Uh, they won't remember this episode next episode. <laughs> so Buck do we will... hear the riddle? Uh, no, they have My name is Buck. I put it in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Huckleberry sums it all up for us. He has the parting line. He says, this lightning man and his thunder brothers, they might be big, bad Bigfoots, but they don't hold a candle to this team. We got a hell of a lot of heart <laughs> and enough balls to make an elephant blush. Oh my God. And that's how the epic uh, saga of the fantasy quest to assemble the lightning axe to defeat the gang of storm themed big feet ends for the stakes of the entire world. I fucking love this show. It's so it's good. So good. I, so I love that we all picked an episode from the show. Part of it. Uh, you oh, yeah, we got to figure that think, out. What do you think I made up? The He-Man part. Uh-huh. Three, uh, three things. The I made up three things. The urine stuff, the the, the pissing, piss, the, the, the hillbilly cryptid piss play was too far. It, it uh, was me going back to it, right? It was me like at least one of those pieces was fake. I yeah, agree. Yeah, I pushed it with the secondary one. All right, what's the third thing? All of it that this entire episode just doesn't exist. God damn it! Yeah, I wrote this entire thing. Uh, no, <laughs> I lied to you. I didn't make anything up. That's all real. Oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> what a double trick! That's very Bigfoot. To take uh, um, to outwit us like that. So, uh, honest question, both of you. I want you to give me a genuine answer. How much money would you pay? And, and this is either out of pocket or from the the one nine hundred hot dog uh, treasury. How much would you pay to accompany this team on one of their shoots and watch their creative process from beginning to end? Watch them write write these and, and do the whole like like to be a fly on the wall or I, even better join them as a member of the team from one on one episode i was going to i would say. start low i would start low in 500 dollars, but i'd go up to eight grand 
I would, yeah, I would, I mean, the, the instinct to start low, like Buck has to work a day job. I would start with like a Costco case of beef jerky. Uh, Smart. Yeah. With, with maybe like an implied promise that there's more to come. Like this is maybe a bottomless <laughs> situation. Uh, but I would go up to everything in my entire life. Uh, just banking on that. I'm so charming. I would of course join the crew and this would be my life now. And I would be a squatch hunting nomad mm-hmm. roaming Pennsylvania, saving the earth from a Cause you're kind of a Jeff and a Huckleberry. And I'm really into hillbilly cryptid piss play. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know that about me. So buy my book. Um, <laughs> so in conclusion, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that's if you that's liked what you heard today. Days. If you like big feet, sacred axes getting assembled from riddles, desecrating uh, Bigfoot graveyards, uh, hillbilly cryptid piss play, as we have established. Uh, if you love He Man, yeah, because it's basically the He Man mythos, uh, and just people, just uh, regular folk, true Americans from real from Red America, facing the unknown and handling it. In just the worst possible way. That that is that is the part that that it genuinely does overlap. And now I did finish it, and there there is a lot of piss play. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Who's the podcast canals? Und mit maximalem Schau. Doc Frankfurt podcast. Correct. Let me tell you about the night the Supremes crashed. A little Halloween party called the Monster Mash. The zombies were out, having fun. The party had just begun. The guests included Wolfman, Dracula, and his son. And Three Finger Louie, Aaron Croston, Adrian H, Alpha Scientist Javel. On Andy brought a succubus as his plus one. And everybody could tell. Andreas Larson spiked the punch with holy water? Armando Nava, Benjamin Cyronic, Bim Tolzer locked Dracula out on the porch and it really hurt his feelings. Brandon Garlock, Brian Saylor, Brianne Whitney, Brockway loves the meat millie and nobody appreciates the PDA. Burrito Mouth took a swing at the devil. Cyril, Rev, Chance McDermott was tripping balls so hard he thought everyone was normal. Chris Brower, Curious Glare, Dan B. Dracula politely asked the artist formerly known as Devin to leave after he puked in the blob. Dean Costello, Donald Finney. Dr. Awkward brought Dr. Awkward's monster and was very pedantic when people called the monster awkward, but that was not what they meant. Eric Spaulding, Fancy Shark. Jellaho just kept making Frankensteins until they drank all the beer. Greg Cunningham just kept fighting drunk Frankenstein. Hamboat, Araka, Hot Fart, Jaber Al Aden, James Boyd brought a Van Helsing as a date and not one of the chill ones. Jeff Orosky, Jeremy Neal, John Dean, John Hector McFarlane transformed into a bat because it's way cheaper to get drunk as a bat. 
John McCammon, John Minkoff, Josh Fabian, Josh S, Ken Paisley, K&M. M. Jahi Chappelle broke the chandelier trying to show off for the Wilkman, and he was not impressed. Matt Riley, Max Baroy split into six parts and hid himself around the mansion, but nobody looked for him. Michael Lair, Michael Wells was a perfect gentleman, but Mickey Lohman was the malignant monster on his back and a total embarrassment. Mike Stiles, Moju, N.D., Neil Bailey, Neil Schaefer ate every single one of the mummy's hard-boiled eggs. Those were work snacks. Nick Ralston, Ozzy Olin. Patrick Herbst made the monster from the Black Lagoon cry in the coat closet. Rain Vargas, Rhiannon, Sarkovsky. Sean Chase brought a pure mood CD and wouldn't stop playing it because it was, his words, so funny. Spotty Reception, Supernaut summoned a demon and made it do a keg stand. Ted H. Timmy Leahy, Toasty God, Tom Sakula, Tommy G, Waylon Russell spray-painted all the hellhounds pink because he thought it would be cute. Yosarian let all the hellhounds out and it was not cute. Aiden Muet butt-dialed the cops. The monster cops, they did the bash! They beat those monsters ass, the monster bash! It was monster police brutality.